0: Everybody, and welcome back to another episode of probably what is most likely your favorite swim bay podcast, Scales and Tails, episode seventy-one. And I know we we, we were stuck in the P and W for a while. We were we were stuck in Texas for a couple episodes. We were stuck in the New England area. Uh, we haven't really ventured off to the Midwest yet, which we're gonna have to do soon, but we're we're really tapping into to that southern fishing right now. So we have a guy who is completely in a different realm than I'm sure. We'll say 98% of us. I'm sure there's some exclusions. I know uh, Lawrence Lee likes to fish saltwater tuna and stuff, but we're joined by a guy who, who fishes brackish water, saltwater, all with swim baits, and, and tackles snook and just all sorts of cool shit that I don't get to catch, and I'm jealous when I scroll through his page. We're joined by Mr. Kevin Hartman tonight, who is the guy behind Canal Cowboy, who you guys probably, if you know him, you associate him with, and like he, he mentioned, he also runs Snook Snacks, which is kind of well i'll let him explain but more or less it's it's kind of that that tackle warehouse for snook fishing where you can get all your stuff and and their name brand stuff too but we'll, we'll get into that all later so kevin introduce yourself and kind of explain to the
1: people who you are uh well first of all hey guys and thank you for the uh the good introduction you know what dude by the way uh, i need an introduction for you i don't think i even got your name did i get your name yet Probably not. I am. I'm Adrian. I live in Northern. I live in like mid, mid You said Adrian, right? Yeah. Adrian. Yep. All right. I'm really bad with names. So I was in the military and I've been in a couple of explosions and my, like literally my short-term memory is like, I'm like 10 seconds So I just wrote that down, Adrian. All right, cool.
0: You're good. I wrote your name down too. And I wrote Snook Snacks down so I didn't get that wrong throughout the podcast.
1: I could reference back to my notes. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. All right. I know you told me to introduce myself. So, uh, I think you did a pretty good job. Um, I'm from South Florida, Southeast Florida, originally born and raised. And, uh, it's, it's funny for me to hear you introducing me as someone who does something different from 98% of your listeners. And it's like, you know, it's, it's cool to have that perspective and realize like, we really do have a totally different kind of fishery down here um so i i've probably caught you know a countless amount of peacock bass in my life and growing up i would consider them like a nuisance fish because they were just everywhere and we have people travel literally from all the northern states from from the midwest from everywhere to come here just to catch peacock bass and um to me it's like dude, you really, you came that far for peacock bass. <laughs> yeah. Um, but to, you know, to hear kind of the way you, you framed it puts, puts in perspective that, um, you know, I was very fortunate to grow up fishing in uh, a very unique area, part of the country.
0: Yeah, dude. And, uh, just kind of elaborating before we started recording, uh, Kevin asked me, he's like, what, what's your viewership like? And then he's like, uh, I, I hope guys enjoy this episode. And I asked him if he was on Facebook, you know, somebody universe and stuff. And he, he wasn't necessarily familiar and i was like dude like the amount of guys who who post on facebook you know or who post on swimbait universe and say hey i'm going to florida you know next week or in the next month like where can i fish How, how do you guys catch fish down there xyz what bait should i bring i think this this episode right here will be so beneficial for guys who who get to make that trip like you said who come down from the midwest or you know wherever tennessee maybe not even that far and they're like they can listen to this podcast and be like, oh my god, Like they'll go on your... In- nope. They probably listen to the intro, they typed in Canal Cowboy, typed him up on Instagram, and they're like, holy shit, this guy absolutely slaughters Fish with the Savage Gear Pulse tail, with the Shine Glide, with the Paddle Tails. Maybe, maybe this guy knows what I'm talking about. Maybe he knows what he's talking about. Maybe I should listen to this whole episode, and I think this episode is going to be super good just for the fact that you're going to talk about stuff like like you said, that, that a lot of people who listen to this probably have A, never thought of, B, Never like done or see, just have no idea what you're talking about and aren't super intrigued with with how you catch these fish.
1: Well, I'll tell you this much, man. I, I never claim to know everything. Um, I feel like with fishing, the, the joy of fishing is that you're constantly learning. So, if anyone who thinks they know or projects an error that they know everything about fishing is probably not someone that you'd want to listen to. Um, so, but I am going to try to convey to you what I do know to this point. I'm a big believer in the, the Dunning-Kruger effect. Do you, are you familiar with that? Sounds super familiar when you say it. So I am going to know exactly I, I what almost, you mean. I wish we were on video so I could draw it for you. But the Dunning-Kruger effect is a theory that um, the, the less you know, the less you realize that – or the less that you – hold on. The, the more you know, the more you realize that you don't know. Yeah, so as yeah. you start to learn about something, the breadth and expanse of, of what it really entails becomes more obvious to you, and you, you, know, you start going, wow. But like, the longer you get into something, the more you realize, I don't know shit about this. You know what I mean? Yeah, dude. And I'm 40 years old, and I feel like I'm just scratching the surface of the knowledge that it takes to be a consistent and successful fisherman. So it's, it's an ongoing process.
0: Yeah, dude. It uh, there's there's that thing, and especially cornered into largemouth bass fishing. I feel like myself, and I know a lot of listeners. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of the book. It's called Pursuit of Giant Bass by Bill Murphy. He's he was an older gentleman who wrote it. I think in SoCal. It's 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 like how to trophy, like the mindset behind trophy bass fishing. And I I've been bass fishing for we'll say eight or nine years now. Just bass fishing, like just going out and having fun. And I, th- I thought I knew bass. Like, I would watched a bunch of YouTube videos and read a bunch of articles and stuff. I'm like, oh, I have an idea how bass work. And I I shit you not, dude. You read 25 pages into this book, and you sit and you look at yourself in the mirror, and you're like, I am disgusted with myself.
1: You're like, I, I don't know. I suck, dude. I suck.
0: <laughs> yeah, dude. It's like, why yeah. have I never thought about it like that? Or like, why have I never t- taken that approach to this idea? It's like, there's some stuff, and especially, like, this podcast is so cool for it because i get to hear i've heard 71 other people's like ideas and how they approach like a scenario yeah. it's like whoa well, like i've been using know, I, a hammer to put in a screw this whole time and these guys just showed me a screw gun like that's awesome
1: yeah well you know the other the other side of that coin is that with fishing there's always everyone a lot of oh well, i feel like more in novices but think that their way is the only way and then you know the fishing community can can get toxic in that sense because you have like everyone who thinks their way is the right way um but really there's there's no right way there's your way yeah. because it's what you've learned through your personal experience and your personal experience is just a collection of everything that you've heard along the way which is um a a bunch of information that you've amassed from other people so it's really like a collective knowledge but then you get the people that are like uh, if you don't tie you don't tie us you know, whatever this type of knot for a, a line to line, you're an idiot. Like, you know, (laughs) or people critiquing your loop knots and stuff like that. But, um, I do, I think that there is definitely a line where you can't say like, there's a right or a wrong way. There's just different ways. And most of them probably are right in their own respects.
0: Yeah, dude, for sure. And this is like a perfect kind of, uh, you had talked about like what, you know, what you don't know. So, how how did you get to learning? I guess walk us through like when you got into fishing. How did this obsession begin with you?
1: Well, for me, for me, it started when I was really young. I grew up here in South Florida, and you know, since we were kids, I mean, I I think my dad still has pictures. I have a younger brother, two years younger than me, and he's got a picture of my brother holding up a bass that was I don't know four or five pounds, and my brother's in a diaper. You know, no shit. Um. (laughs) and we just we grew up we lived on a canal we lived on a canal that was it's fresh water so people when they hear of snook and tarpon they think salt water right but where i live i live in southeast florida broward county so we're we're one county up from miami and we have a very extensive um inshore waterway system which is primarily made for drainage of storm water um And, you know, I don't know if you've ever heard Fort Lauderdale called the Venice of America, and it's called the Venice of America because of all these intricate canal ways that we have. But so because of the way that the canals are set up for storm drainage, all of all most all of our canals or lakes are all in some way connected to the ocean. Right. So it's not crazy to think that there might be a bull shark swimming in, you know, a neighborhood lake. You know, that's fresh water that just has bass. It's totally possible in the part of Florida that I'm in. Um, So I grew up on a canal and, you know, it's just a regular thing. Go out back, catch bass, go go for a swim, yeah. like, you know, see an alligator, uh, catch turtle. <laughs> like, I just grew up with it. Um, and then, you know, like in my teenage years, I think I did what a lot of teenagers do. I got into other things like girls and skateboarding and smoking weed and like stupid shit. Yeah. Um. And then after a couple of years of that, in my early 20s, I was like, wait a second. I'm i I'm like a total loser. You know, all my friends are in college, and I'm still fucking off. So I joined the Army. Um, and then when I, I got home from the Army uh, shoot, 11 years ago, Okay. and basically when I got back, I just hit the ground running on snook fishing. It was like I just got right back into it. More than ever before, and obsessively, like I don't know, I was just it would like it was all I could think about. I would literally have nights where I'd be laying in bed, and my in my head it would just be like, "Go fish," and I would just get out of bed random times in the night and go catch snook. So sick. And so that's the basically the past eleven years has just been nothing but being an uh, an absolute sponge of big game fish hunting down here in south florida
0: your favorite swim bait podcast is now proudly sponsored by leviathan rods leviathan rods is a texas-based fishing rod company that's handcrafted and uses high-end made in the usa rod blanks every sale from leviathan helps support foster youth and their families with leviathan rods you're not only going to feel a difference but you're going to help make a difference too friends of the show will also get 20 percent off their rod purchases by using code scales20 at checkout so whether you're fishing at depth two hundred and fifty or a square bill, make sure you're using the best rod choice out there. Leviathan rods. That's freaking so awesome, dude. Um, dude, that is like, that's such a sick way to grow up like right there by a canal and just, you know, just have direct access to water. Like it, I feel like it would be yep. hard to grow up and, and not get intrigued with, with fishing or just like, you know, with something to do with like the water. Cause you're so close to that. Like it's, And, dude, I
1: I don't know if you know, but so the the peacock bass here in South Florida, for those listening who don't know what peacock bass is, which I'm sure most people do, but there might be some that don't, and that's fine. Um, Peacock bass are native to the Amazon, right, in South America. They're in, like, Colombia, Brazil, and stuff like that. They were imported into Florida in the 1980s, um, and they were put—hold on a second. Babe— Tell me if I'm right about that. I don't want to give him wrong information. Peacocks were imported in like the mid 80s. Correct. Right. Okay. So they, Im- they imported peacock bass in the mid 80s to try to control, um, bait fish population and also to add to our fishery. Um, and they just abs- well, they absolutely flourished the smaller ones, the butterfly peacock bass. If you've ever seen those videos out of Brazil of like 20 pound peacock bass. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen those? Yeah. I've seen so them. they, they introduced those, but they didn't hold for whatever reason. Azores, oh the big blue ones, yeah. So my fiance is right behind me. She's a big time fisherman too, um, real babe on Instagram. <laughs> um, so they they brought them here, and I keep, dude, I can remember being a kid and where we lived. We were on a canal, and on the other side of the canal was like just like an easement of no homes. You know, it was just grass. Yeah, yeah. And I can remember the truck watching the truck drive down the easement, almost like a cement mixer, just coming. Yeah, the truck would stop and turn, and this big, you know, tubular back portion of the truck would tilt 45 degrees, and the floodgates would open, and you would just see nothing but peacock bass like plunging out into the canals, you know? So I can remember, I have faint memories as a little kid of watching the actual stalking of the peacock bass into the canals. So, um, it's just been a lifetime thing for me, dude. That is like, I don't even know how to what to say about that that is
0: so cool that you remember that introduction like the little introduction to the area that those fish were wow
1: so you know what my canal i grew up on was one of the ground zeros for the introduction of the peacock bass species into florida and you know like i said i grew up with them and like a lot of times you'd be out looking for a largemouth bass or you'd be out looking for a snook and like I always consider them a consolation prize because they will literally eat anything that you twitches in front of their face fast enough, like including bear hooks and rattle traps and glide baits, like you name it, right? So if you go out fishing for snook all day and you get skunked, like you can always go get a tight line on a peacock real quick (laughs) as a little consolation prize for for your efforts for that day.
0: Damn, dude, that's wild. So do you like, were these... Cause so the same thing kind of happened here in Michigan in like the seventies, they planted those Atlantic salmon into the freshwater Lake Michigan. And I don't know, like off the top of my head, I'm not going to act like I, I don't have, I don't have a Jamie, like the J- Joe Rogan show like you do to ask my fiance what's up, but, uh, but, uh, Google, man, Google. yeah, they're probably like 10 or 11 inches or so. Were they fingerlings when they dumped them in or were they like full grown, ready to, to mate size peacock bass?
1: You know, honestly that I, like i said it was in the mid 80s i was born in 82 so okay. i was like i was like a kid kid probably fucking yeah, yeah. in the backyard and and saw it so i don't remember like i couldn't tell you how big they were or if they were right. yeah i mean i would imagine they were probably like juvenile size they're not going to drop fingerlings in and just let yeah. them get slurped up by bass and snook
0: and I, yeah i forgot about it's we're talking about the we're talking about the <laughs> so is it is it brackish water is would that be the term for that area or is it fresh water
1: So I've actually gone back and forth with uh, one of my friends who also lives in the area, grew up in the area. And most people would just tell you that it's fresh. But I I believe that it probably has higher salinity than most freshwater areas. Um, It's actually something I've been meaning to do just out of curiosity is to uh, get a salinity kit and then test the water and see how it compares to like a a normal freshwater. So I'm not sure.
0: And so – you're going to know this a lot better than i am especially cuz i live in the middle of bfe midwest michigan <laughs> brackish water is where that fresh water and salt water kind of intermingle and mix right
1: correct correct and, and you'll get you'll get like you'll have some freshwater species that can tolerate it and okay. you'll have some saltwater species that can tolerate it um and then you'll get this like really weird almost fluid ecosystem of fish that exists in such a small range um but so snook and tarpon they have the ability to fully adapt to salt water so they once they move up into those canals even if they were to get locked off they're good they just stay and eat everything
0: damn dude okay so because i've i've always thought snook and tarpon were saltwater fish that were able to be in freshwater because like i've seen videos of guys you know catching uh catching snook and tarpon in like golf course ponds and stuff so are they primarily a freshwater fish
1: they are naturally a saltwater fish like they can only spawn in saltwater but right but they can move into freshwater and i can't remember the actual um mechanism that allows their it's something in their gills that allows them to tolerate the, the fresh water the way that it's it's filtered through their gills that other fish, you know, if they were to freshwater fish goes to salt and that salinity goes through the gills, they're dead and vice versa. But snook and tarpon are able to do either one. So um like I have areas down here where you would dude you want to hear something hilarious.
0: I would love to. I, I'm just so intrigued with this right now. It's so
1: crazy to hear. Listen to this. I, so just real quick, I Googled uh, about the – So I, I want to sound informed even about things I'm, I'm not informed about. So yeah, I'm, yeah. Really just, I'm really just a big fraud, everybody. I'm a big fraud. Um, so I Googled what it is, the mechanism that allows Snook to swim in fresh water, and I'm scrolling down this page. And what's embedded directly on the page is my YouTube video. Freshwater. Oh, shit, dude. Freshwater snook fishing.
0: That's so fucking <laughs> That's
1: funny. That's funny. There crime. I am. Wow. Yeah. I've, dude, I've been so inactive on, on YouTube. It was one of those things where I was like, I'm going to be a YouTuber. And then, I don't know. I don't know if I'm cut out for it. of <laughs> so a lot insane, man. You have to be like out fishing all the time. You have to produce big fish. And if you're not someone who's out and producing big fish all the time, you have to be wildly entertaining. And it's just... I don't know if I'm wildly entertaining. so I kinda, <laughs> It's kind of gone by the wayside. But um, Shoot, I forgot. I was going somewhere with the freshwater thing, and I forgot. Get me back on track. Gills. Like the, uh, the filter they have or whatever, whatever. Oh, yeah. So they'll get back into freshwater. And you can clearly tell when you catch a snook if they're a resident in the freshwater. Like, I've caught big snook that were, like, black, you know? Because yeah. uh, ocean snook will be silver yep. with yellow on the on the tips of the fins or throughout the entire fin. Usually that's an indication of a very healthy ocean fish is uh, the the silver with the yellow fins. Dude, we have caught them in the backcountry. I call them sweet tea snook because they are dark. Like, they'll get, like, a bronze black type of thing. With no hints of yellow left in the fins, the fins will just be like a shade of almost like how you would imagine like, uh, you know, sunglasses to look like a smoky black fog color. color. Yeah. Um, and they, they just live there, man. They live there and they, they adapt really, really well because typically in most freshwater waterways, uh, they have less natural predators than they do in the ocean because in the ocean sharks want to eat them. Dolphins want to eat them. Um, Depending on the size of the snook, probably bigger snook want to eat them. Um, And they go to freshwater. Probably the only thing they really have to watch out for is gators. So if they can get into a good freshwater area that has a little flow to it because they really like the flowing water, I mean, they can thrive. They can absolutely thrive
0: him, dude, this is like so intriguing because I just have no idea what's about to come out of your mouth because I have no prior information to any <laughs> of these like fishes backgrounds. So like, I I guess like my main question right now before we get too deep into the rabbit hole is: Did you grow up like bass fishing ponds and stuff? Like, was that something that you were into, or did did the saltwater, brackish water, kind of bigger no. freshwater fish no.
1: like pull As- your interest? I was always just a freshwater guy. So actually I, this, so that was something I was just going to um, go into is that I've always been a freshwater guy. I was always a bass fisherman, right? And then what started happening is that I would start seeing things in the freshwater canals where, and this is why I was so fascinated with snook fishing when I first got home from the army is because there are people that will not believe you that there's snook in freshwater. They'll be like, no, no, they're not. Those live in the ocean. They're in the intercoastal or they're at the beach or whatever. And it's like, uh, no, dude, there's like 40-inch snook swimming up and down your backyard or probably behind your local grocery store, you know? And so I would start – I would do a lot of fishing on stand-up paddle boards. So I'd be out on my paddle board, and I would see this – I would see like a shadow just just out of, you know, out of where you can see them in the water. Snook are very stealthy, bro. They're like ghosts. You only know they're there because you know they're there. You don't see them. You know what yeah, I mean? They, yeah. Like, you will... That, that's part of what makes snook fishing so attractive, I think, is is just the cat and mouse game, because they're so stealthy. They don't want to be seen and you will not see them. And I would get... I would, every now and then on the paddleboard, if the sun was hitting the water the right way and I had my polarized glasses on and the brim of my hat was covering my eyes just right, I would catch that silhouette going, uh, going uh, under me and I would go, what the fuck was that? And I started to put the pieces together and I'm like... Because the first reaction is, what the fuck was that, right? Yeah, like a scared And then, that. <laughs> and then it goes into, that, that can't be a snook because it's too big. And then it goes into, holy shit, that might have been a snook. And then it goes into, if that was a snook, that's what, like a fucking 45-inch snook. And so I start to realize that they're all over these freshwater canals. And it became like an obsession for me, almost almost like the way that like Bigfoot people are, like, obsessed with proving that Bigfoot is real, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Or the way that, like, you people that are into UFOs or government conspiracies are obsessed with proving their validity of their cause. Yeah. That was kind of how I became about proving that these gigantic snookers are swimming around in freshwater. And so over the years I did, uh, I've caught, I mean, a countless amount of 40-inch snook out of oh, freshwater canals. Hot. And then, just probably in the last like four or five years, I'd say, I've felt kind of I'm just getting limited with the canals. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's always a, there's always an, a, a portion of what I do that was like connected to saltwater because we do a lot of spillway fishing. Yeah, yeah, so the spillways outlet into salt water. So I'm never that far from the salt water. But fishing pure salt water versus fishing rivers that are connected to spillways is a totally different game because then you have to start getting into all of the technical details of the moon phases of barometric pressure like it's so detailed it's ridiculous um and just like probably in the last four to five years i've really started delving more into that um just as a way of expanding my knowledge and you know i just kind of follow where my curiosity goes man and that's the natural—that's been my natural progression so far. For a lot of people, it's the exact opposite down here. They'll start fishing in saltwater. They have, you know, their dad or their grandpa or somebody showed them the ropes when they were little, and then they'll 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 venture into freshwater or back towards the spillways. Um, I just kind of did it, I think, in a way that was reversed from the norm. Dude, that is. So, does all that make does all that make sense? <laughs> yeah,
0: no, yeah, it's making sense at least to me, and i'm i'm not I'm not very very high up in the brain department, but it's like I'm just like so in awe of what you're saying, and I'm just thinking about how awesome that is and like how i'm like how I've never gotten to either experience this or like thought about it, like, oh my gosh, like I've never thought you know how you could you could go out in your backyard and and catch a forty forty five inch snook in like the the brackish freshwater canal, like from what I thought of them being saltwater fish, I'm just completely blown away. Like my whole life has been a lie up to this point. Dude,
1: I was, so there was one time I was out on my paddleboard, right? And I'm throwing, uh, I was throwing a crankbait for bass. I'm just out catching bass. This is like maybe around 10 years ago, around the time when I was getting obsessed with snook fishing, right? Dude, I'm deep, I'm deep West, which for us is away from the ocean, right? So I, where I live, the ocean's on the East coast um i'm on my paddleboard in a freshwater canal probably 20 miles from the ocean um just cruising around throwing a lipless crankbait catching bass i hook into a cichlid i don't know if you guys know what cichlids are the fish tank um, ones
0: like a mayan cichlid
1: like a mayan cichlid yes we have them in droves in wild population down here um which by the way peacock bass are technically a cichlid so they're in the cichlid family so, anyway, I hook into this cichlid, right? I'm fighting it up to the side of my paddle board. And right as I'm going down to reach for a leader, fucking tarpon, like probably about a 60 or 70 pound tarpon, just hammers it right up to, against the paddle board, like uses the side of my paddle board to create a little attack zone, slurps down this cichlid, which was not a small cichlid. It was the size of like. You know, probably like the styrofoam plate that you would get at a barbecue. Yeah, yeah. And slurps it down and just takes off. And I'm like on a little spinning run. And And, uh, eventually it broke me off because I I wasn't even running leader. I was running straight braid. So, like, stuff like that happens down here. And it's just wild, man. It's absolutely nuts.
0: Yeah, dude. So, you go out there and, like, obviously – you're you're fishing up closer towards the freshwater stuff so you have an idea of what's gonna bite but how how often are you surprised when you get a bite you set into it and you're like oh this is not a snook or this is like oh my i just hooked a largemouth like does that happen a lot or is it pretty common to to catch snook when you're out snook fishing
1: are you saying like when it's more towards when it's more freshwater or when it's more saltwater
0: uh just in general i guess like do you get a lot of by catches that you're not necessarily expecting either way
1: it depends it depends where you are um like for the most part i'll end up catching the fish that i'm targeting just because i kind of have it have things dialed in that way right but, yeah but like I have caught, and usually when you do get bycatches when you're snook fishing, they're awesome bycatches because you're targeting. We target snook with big swim baits. You know, we're throwing like seven to 10 inch swim baits. So I've been at the spillway. Uh, this has happened to me twice already, where I'm working my swim bait over the typical area where I know that the snook stage up to ambush. Mm-hmm. Um, the fish that are coming over the spillway which tip down here is typically gizzard shads bluegills cichlids tilapias anything in that that kind of profile yeah. right and i'm working it i get slammed right this is on the uh, savage gear seven inch line through gizzard which is like one of my absolute favorite baits i know those are big for bass and musky guys too but we hammer with them for snook so i get hit and my dude i'm on a 400 alexa hd with a an eight and a half foot boshito rod, thirty to fifty pound line rating, slams it, starts pulling drag. Oh my! Gosh. And I'm like, oh. I and I told my buddy, I said, "Get the net, here we go. It's a big one, right?" I'm fighting it, and then after the first drag pull, I start making ground on it re- pretty easily, and I'm like, "What the hell is this, bro?" It ends up being like an eight or nine pound bass.
0: Oh my god! It was
1: a t- almost twenty five inch bass, Holy like shit. absolute. Bucket mouth. I'll I'll send you the pictures of it. I'll I'll send you the Instagram post. And I've had that happen twice where I've caught what for most people would be most bass fishermen, most dedicated bass fishermen would be like their lifetime. Yeah, bass. And I've just like caught it. Like, oh, cool. Let's get a snook. <laughs> you know, that's like
0: you hear like you hear about the guys who catch a lot of big fish. And they're like, Oh yeah, yeah, I caught I caught five or six sixes today and a seven. Like well, it was kind of a slow day. But to hear guys a guy saying, one. Oh, yeah, I caught a nine, it was like it was cool, but I took a picture and I threw it back. Like I didn't really get a specific rate yeah, yeah. or anything on it. It's like, oh my it's, gosh, what the hell? You are that is literally
1: literally what I did. I, I took a picture, I took a short video, and it was like, All right, back in the water, you go. That's I gotta so see bad. if I can find it. I wanna send it to you. I know I kinda wish we were that's why I asked you before the podcast if we were gonna be on video. Yeah. Damn, I'll dude. check this out. I'm, I'm gonna send it to you right now. Are you able uh, to look yeah, at uh, Instagram?
0: It. Yeah. Um I guess while you send me this, how you talked about like fishing that crankbait and catching that cichlid. And uh, I guess when did you figure out, like when you were freshwater fishing and stuff like for bass, were swim baits ever in in like your wheelhouse, or how did you kind of get your toes wet into the swim bait stuff? And and I guess before we do that, well, Yeah. Yeah. Talk, talk, talk about that. And then we'll talk about like what kind of swim baits you use and stuff.
1: All right, cool. Yeah, no, um, actually, no, I, I really got into big swim baits probably about four years ago, but I dabbled prior to that because there was this, this swim bait company called spool tech. Um, I don't know if you're familiar.
0: Uh, not off the top of my head.
1: No. So spool tech was another one that was big down here. It was basically like they came in a six inch and a nine inch and they had what was called concealed leader technology. So there was a steel leader that would spool up inside the head and you would basically crank the leader in, which had a giant J hook attached to it, and uh-huh. you would mount them into the head. So then when the fish bit the lure, the leader would deploy the steel leader. So then one, you're not going to get broken off because of the steel leader because the well I don't know if you guys know but these fish snook and tarpon will shred through braided line they have their mouths are very abrasive it's like sandpaper and then they have very sharp gill plates so if you're if you're not running leader you'll break right off um but I did get in so I got into these uh these spool techs but then that was that only lasted for a little bit but really uh, I was you know, early on, I was a lot of top water. I think everyone goes through that top water phase, right? Where even like in the middle of winter, you just so, you're just so obsessed with top water blow ups that you're like throwing a frog year round. Yeah. Type yeah. Of thing. I mean, we all know that guy that always has a frog or a Zara spook tied on, no matter what time of year it is. <laughs> and that was me for a while. Um, And then, you know, I was, I was doing like crankbaits and flukes and things like that. And then I just started, uh, probably about, Four years ago, I really started getting into the bigger Savage Gear baits. Like specifically, it was the trout. And then right after I started getting into them, they released the line through Pulse Tail Mullet, which is like my, you know, that's most people they when they think of me and down here that know me, they're like, oh, the Pulse Tail Mullet guy, you know. <laughs> Damn,
0: dude, I'm I'm looking at this uh, I'm looking at this Spool Tech bait right now, and this thing is. Pretty damn cool. I won't lie. They
1: don't make. Them anymore. Like, what do you mean they don't make them anymore? He sold it, oh, well, they make them, but another company bought them out. Um, and you know the the root the what people say here, the people in the know is that the new ones are not made as well. but I feel like everyone says that right? Like nothing's as good as it used to be, you know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's the back in my day that's but like yeah. that's. It's like, come on, man. <laughs> that's like the depth two fifties the new
0: ones don't swim as good as the og ones made in the 2000s like uh what's the other yeah one? Like the old the Whatever. older Apollo wiggle warts or the i think it'd been storm wiggle warts don't swim as good as the old ones used to and the old ones go for like 30 40 dollars a piece type thing like that that's how it is
1: <laughs> yeah and it's always like nothing's ever as good as it used to be but you yeah. know, oh here's another did you, were you able to see the picture on instagram i just i'm sending you both of them
0: yeah dude that thing is an absolute fucking tank like if, I, if is I caught that one. fish,
1: like I'd be completely
0: content with not catching another fish <laughs> throughout the year.
1: <laughs> yeah, dude. I, oh did, my gosh. I just got a message from Dan Credore, the uh, owner of Top Banana Lures. He goes, hey, oh, you yeah. are, "Are you on? scales and tails?" <laughs> <laughs> I, I posted, it's me, "Dan, there. what's up, brother?"
0: I, I posted that uh, that story, and then I, he just responded, "Yeah, what did he say?" He's like, "Oh, I know Kevin." Or he said, "What? What? Question mark? Question mark?" Kevin's my boy.
1: <laughs> yeah. So. Interesting story about Dan, if we can segue a little bit.
0: Yeah, dude. Yeah, for sure.
1: I I came across him when he was, like, just starting to make baits and stuff. And mm-hmm. he was, I just, I kind of jokingly commented on one of his posts and said, how about a nine-inch mullet? And me and him started working, collaborating together probably in, like, 2000, in, like, maybe 2020 or late 2019 um, to make what I was going to call an indestructible glide bait. Because I was fishing the Savage Gear glide baits for snook and tarpon, which will draw the strikes. I mean, the fish absolutely go crazy on them. Yeah. But they were breaking too often because mm-hmm. they're made for bass. They're not made yeah. to have a sixty-pound tarpon grab the ass of it and do a three-sixty. Yeah. Um. So me and Dan started collaborating on what finally became to be known as the. I think we landed on the G6 mullet. You know, we went through a version two and a version three and a version four. And I think we finally got to version six. Until we were like, yeah, this is the one. And Dan put in a lot of time, man, of making this bait. Um, and I, I've put, we've put hundred pound tarpon on it. I most recently, uh, he made me one, which unfortunately I lost, hundred and fifty dollar lure. Uh, and most recently I caught, it was like a thirty nine point seven five inch snook, um, on it. it was cool there's actually a video of the eat on my instagram for you guys who want to see it it's like a it's a couple posts down you'll know which one it is um (laughs) and it's it's awesome man like the glide bait fishing that's so i progressed from the uh from like the big swim baits right the big soft traditional swim baits like the trouts and the pulse tails which i don't know if you guys know them as pulse tails you like it think of it as like a huddleston but made for absolute punishment you know Dude,
0: so those those little savage gill, pulse tail gills those things get absolutely ate by large up and pike up here it's so much fun to fish those
1: which by the way guys we have on my website snooksnacks.com a- any lure you're going to hear me talking about tonight we have it we have it for sale and those gills that you're talking about bro mm-hmm. they work so good for snook fresh to brackish water snook if you throw that line through Pulse tail bluegill anywhere near them, it's almost like guaranteed. Yeah, dude. Um, I was looking. I was and, looking through your post,
0: and, and I, I seen it at The line through hanging out in a couple one. Like I'm looking at this one from February 15th. Like that's not a small. Like in my eyes, that's not a small snook. Like that thing absolutely clobbered that bait.
1: Dude, they clobber it. Are you looking on Canal Cowboy or on? Uh, yeah,
0: yeah, Canal Cowboy. So it's right.
1: the. It's the there one goes. about. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was a forty. That was a good sized fish. Yeah, for perspective, that's a five and a half inch bait hanging there. You know, and it looks tiny. Yeah, it looks like a three Um, inch bait. (laughs) Dude, they love them. They won't pass it up because it's easy foray for them. The, you know, if you think even like a mullet, sometimes I will be at the spillways and there will be mullet all over the spillways, and they're not eating them because mullet they're like fast, they're twitchy. You know, they would they would much prefer. For a a clumsy bluegill or gizzard to just kind of go floating by, and they know that they can get it easier yeah. than a mullet. Um, and the snook doesn't have to be; they don't have they don't like have to slam themselves into it. They so have you ever heard of like what they call the thump from a snook?
0: Uh, as far as like just hitting it, like stunning it, trying like trying to stun
1: a bait. Well, think of like all right, so muskies will like T bone into the bait that they're eating, right? Mouth yeah, open yeah. straight into it, like trying to like almost they're they're swimming through the bait or the fish that they're eating. Yeah, yeah. Snooks have this ligament in their jaw that allows them to open their mouth and like slurp all the water around them into their mouth. Like anything within, you know, a eighteen inch or probably less than that. Anything within like six to eight inches in front of their face is going is going to end up in their mouth, right? Because yeah. they they just and that's part of what makes snook fishing so addicting. You know, there's I can't even tell you how many um, companies have the word thump in them. You know, there's thump thirty jigs, there's thumper shrimp, there's a uh, thump series from Big Bait. Like a lot, it's just that feeling alone that you get when a snook hits you is is literally the name of a slew of businesses or or uh, Instagram handles because it's that feeling. You know, you ever played little league baseball? Yeah, yep. Yeah. You know when you're not quite holding the bat right, or you're holding it too tight or too loose, and when you hit the ball, instead of getting like a good connection where the ball just goes, it rings your hands, and you're oh, like. Oh. Shit.
0: Yeah, like when you get jammed and it hits the, hits the bottom barrel of the bat. Yeah, I know that feeling. Yeah,
1: and it, it like, it like rings your hands and it hurts like almost yeah. in your bone. But like that's what it feels like when a big snook hits you when you're throwing like a 7 to 10-inch swim bait. It's no. – you can you – can, I've been fishing with my friends where it's dark. It's the middle of the night. We're at a spillway. I can't see what they're doing, but they're behind me, right, casting yeah. the other way. And I'll know when they're on because I will hear the rod. I will hear their rod rattle. And you go, you look back and sure enough, they're bent in half, you know, with a big snook jumping out of the water. Oh my it's, God. it's the coolest thing, man. For anyone that has never experienced that, like, I cannot recommend it more. dude. It's, American, it's the coolest thing.
0: American Airlines is going to have to pay us for this episode because I bet you half these people listening to right now are booking their trip to Miami to come either fish with dude, you or find a way. <laughs>
1: And listen, I'm not a guide. I don't do guides. I sell the lures, but I, I have plenty of friends that I can confidently say will put you on that a snooker tarpon if if that's something that you're interested in. You got you can always uh, shoot me a message and I'll be happy to point people in the right direction.
0: Yeah, dude. Oh my gosh. It's just like the more you talk about it, the more I realize, wow, like small it's it's, off, off are cool, but like I need to get out and see the yeah. world. I need to go fish for some brackish saltwater fish. <laughs>
1: Dude, in, uh, beach fishing, it only, you know, it's only really during the summer months, but when you're able to just stand on the beach and just cast out into the surf and hook hundred pound tarpon or, you know, 20, 25 pounds snook, yeah. it's the coolest, it's the absolute coolest thing, man. Damn, dude. It's so, so, so fun.
0: So telling like kind of elaborating on my saltwater experiences, cause obviously there's never anything I've ever talked about. I grew up for about nine years in Gulf Shores, Alabama, and like I, I, my my parents and their family friends, we'd all go out to Three Mile Bridge. I'm pretty sure that's in Florida. I want to say Three Mile Bridge,
1: maybe. Mm, I'm not sure. I, I only know Seven Mile Bridge in the Keys. Okay, yeah. So this is
0: this is like uh, connecting Alabama and Florida. Anyway, we'd go to this bridge okay. and like there. Obviously, there's the bridge that you drive on, and then there's the bridge right next to it, like the the fishing bridge, like where you drive out, park your car, and fish off the side. So like. That is like the majority of my saltwater experience, and then when I was a freshman, we went down and visited some family in Corpus Christi, and I fished off that little uh, jetty wall right there by the battleship, and that's like that's the extent. And I caught like a redfish, I caught uh, a ribbon fish, is like those like silver, really skinny with the sharp teeth, right? I'm pretty sure that's what it was. It's like a ribbon fish or some shit.
1: Yeah, they look like aliens, right? Yeah, yeah, they've got like almost two like big long heel. bangs on the front and then
0: they're like super shiny and like like the size of a snake almost.
1: Yeah. You wanna hear yeah. something crazy, dude? We were out we were out not too long ago fishing Port Everglades, which is the inlet to the ocean in Fort yeah. Lauderdale. Yep. Right? It's like the biggest cruise liner um port in the US. Yeah. So I'm out there and I had just picked up you're familiar with Sixth Sense, right? Yep. Yep. So you know the draw.
0: Yeah, yep, yeah, that that glide bait, I, right?
1: Yep, I had just picked up the draw on a Black Friday sale. So, you know, they're whatever. They're like 80 bucks mm-hmm. or something. I got it. Or we got it for like 55 or 60, I think. And I'm out there in Port Everglades trolling it through salt water. And I'm like, we had just got there. I, I tossed it out. And tro- by the way, trolling glide baits, if you guys haven't done it, it's super fun. We I do it down here for Snook all the time. You just toss it out and hold on, and it gives you that real feedback because you can feel your rod going, boom, boom, boom. Yeah. The pulse of the glide and it gets hit and i'm like fuck yeah dude that was quick i start fighting and up comes this like probably four or five foot ribbon fish just looking so creepy so that was one of the first things i caught on the uh on the six cents draw it's pretty funny
0: damn dude and like my extent of of saltwater fishing goes to doa shrimp and just actual shrimp like that's like that's all i'd ever used before (laughs)
1: Yeah. Oh, dude, listen, and right now, well, we're coming on. we're on the tail end of it right now. But the shrimp run in Miami is, uh, I guess I would tell you guys, if you want to catch, if you're planning a trip to Florida and you want to catch tarpon, you want to come in February, or I'm sorry, January and February to Miami. Um, and if you want to catch big snook, it's summertime. But we have been going out in Miami throwing the Savage Gear 5-inch RTF Shrimp. And, I mean, to say it's been tarpon candy would be uh, an understatement. And if you guys go to my page, my last two posts are tarpon that we've caught recently on those lures. Um, I actually have scabs all over my right arm still from trying to get the hook out of that one. Um, because it was, the hook was so far in there. And my buddy I was fishing with, you know, he's he's a he's a cut-the-line guy. It'll rust out
0: thing yeah yeah
1: which i'm i'm not a big believer in i'm a big believer of let's get that hook out of there he'll be better off without that hook by his throat type of thing yeah so um the ply it wasn't working with pliers because i couldn't the hook was buried so far in there and it was right in the top back right before the gills actually I'm looking at it
0: right here oh my gosh you're talking about the one that you're holding in the water
1: yes dude that thing is
0: fucking massive oh my gosh.
1: Yeah, it was a beast. It was a I mean and holding holding that fish, I mean, you know, all the time and all the preparation that goes into it. But like real quick, let me finish that thought uh why my arm looks like I put it in a belt sander. Yeah, yeah. Um, um I was <laughs> I wanted to get the hook out, so I put uh I I and I didn't have the gloves because Pat, my buddy, he had the gloves on because he's holding the fish. So I had to put my hand all the way in there and I was popping trying to pop the nose of the shrimp to make the hook come out, right? But I swung and missed on it. I mean the the fish's mouth is so big that it's almost like half of halfway up my forearm is in his mouth trying to get this uh, shrimp out. And the first two I missed which like scraped a considerable amount of skin off the off the top of my knuckle. And then thank God on the third pop it came out. um so if you look at that video and you see a little a little blood there um it's because he was i mean he had that hook back there but i think we did our best on that fish and uh we gave him quite a revive so
0: yeah dude that thing like when when your buddy goes over your shoulder and like looks at the length of that fish it like it just is continuing from the head it just continues (laughs) that like width the whole way until the tail section like that's oh my gosh dude like that that is a gnarly ass fish. I don't even. I, mean, I don't even tangle with something like that. Like that would think that thing would be ass.
1: <laughs> you look in the in the faces of those fish. They look like aliens, dude. They look, they look like not of this planet. You know, it's it's they're they're such a cool, majestic fish. I mean, they're so powerful. They hit so hard and they fight like you know. It's it's a delicate game, really, because. I, I don't, I'm not a big proponent of, uh, keeping fish like snook. Mm-hmm. I think I've eaten one snook ever. Oh, wow. Um, I like to, I'm um, catch and release. I, I have a high level of respect for the fish, the fisheries. Yeah. Um, and I, I want to, I don't want to hurt them. You know, it's almost like a Hippocratic oath of fishing of like, do no harm. Um, and so there's like a fine line you have to walk when you're, when you're fishing, especially for tarpon, because you literally have to fight them to death. To make them submit to you enough that you can grab them and take the hook out. You know, you can't you can't horse them in. You can't horse a hundred and fifty pound tarpon. Um, and even if you were able to horse them in on some ridiculously heavy gear, you can't grab them. And right. even if you were able to grab them, you can't subdue them enough to get the hook out because they're going to jump and launch themselves maybe into your face and knock you out, or maybe into your boat, or yeah. maybe they're they're going to launch and that hook is going to get stuck into one of your fingers and then when they fall down you're going in the water with them it's it's a very delicate dance and can be dangerous for sure it's it's
0: i'm trying to like i'm just so blown away just like i'm just scrolling through your page while you talk like like these fish are so majestic and like you said there's like like the fish submits to you and um the fact that you literally like this thing is fighting life or death in Yes. And I mean, how long does it take to catch a fish? You know, take your picture or whatever. How long do you sit there and and let that fish, you know, composure itself? Because like like we just said, it it literally just fought for its life. Like how how yes. long do we really take to bring a fish back and 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 make it confident that that it kicks off? And You're like, okay, that that's good to go.
1: Um, typically, with a big tarpon like that, so that tarpon we fought for probably about thirty five minutes. Gosh. Um. And if you think of it in terms of do you work out at all? Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah. Okay. And so, for any of your listeners, if you guys work out, you know what lactic acid is, right? You start doing whatever. Yeah. Say you're doing, you're but on it, the bench and you hit your tenth or twelfth rep, and right around rep eight or nine, starts to it starts to burn because you're building up lactic acid. Um, you're depleting oxygen, and you're building lactic acid in its place, and that's exactly what's happening on a cellular level to the fish. Um, and when you finally get them boatside, you know their whole—they're whole, they're out of oxygen. They're completely full of lactic acid. Their blood is pumping lactic acid, um, and some fish take longer than others. And you—you'll have to take quite a bit of time with them. Um, and you're essentially just waiting for them to tell you when they're ready to go. You'll we'll, we'll hold the fish off the side of the boat, and you will put set the trolling motor, or you'll set spot lock if the if you're in the current, so that you're holding them and you're allowing the water to go through their gills. I mean, everyone pretty much knows the basics of reviving a fish, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it, you know, as long as we're here, I do have a little bit of a soapbox. Fish revivals.
0: Starting this second half for a third time, because the robot keeps cutting out or my, my microphone, you know, jumps off the stand. Uh, so, Kevin was about to hop on his uh, soapbox and, and talk, but we recently discovered that he was drinking uh, drinking some bourbon right now, and so I said, bourbon. this is officially episode number nine of Bass and Buzz, and then we kind of went back and forth, and uh, he's like, Bass and Bourbon, and unfortunately, so when I first started doing the podcast and Bass and Buzz especially, I was drinking either just just some cheapo Old Smokey, or I had some Jack Daniels, and a couple weeks ago around Christmas, I had some uh, Johnny Walker, but... The drink of choice most times is twisted tea, but tonight, for the first oh. time, first time ever, I am drinking uh, some triple crown Pr- triple crown brown, which is like an IPA from a little local brewery around here. It's like a stout, coffee, Guinness type beer. I'm not into IPAs. This is probably like the first one I've ever actually gotten and enjoyed. So, uh, you said were you drinking makers, Mark. Is that what you had said?
1: I'm drinking makers right now because. So my main thing is tequila. I'm a big time okay. uh tequila snob and I I go for like the extra añejo, you know, kind of high-end tequilas. Yeah, yeah. But at like $200 a bottle, <laughs> they're, yeah, yeah. they it, it gets up there quick. So I'm I'm teaching myself to uh to be okay with a with a little glass of uh, Maker's Mark.
0: Yeah, I I'm not going to say I didn't like the Johnny Walker. It just it wasn't in my wheelhouse. I had two fifths of it and I I drank it all. Like, I'm not going to (laughs) not, it was good, but I'm kind of at that stage in my life where it's like, I I don't know. Like I like good tasting alcohol, but it's also like, I don't mind getting absolutely buzzed. Like that's just, that's kind of the end goal. When I start to drink, I think I'm, I'm only 21. So like, it's, it's acceptable. I feel like.
1: Damn, you're only 21, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I'm making me feel old. <laughs> well it's all right. You're you're in the very, you're in the very beginning, uh the very beginning of the Dunning Kruger graph. Oh, where you're yeah. gonna, you're gonna <laughs> spend the next couple of years being like, damn, I got this shit down pat. I know a lot of stuff. And then for like 10 years after that, you're gonna be like, <laughs> damn, I didn't know shit when I was 21. Yeah, dude. And then and- finally it starts leveling off like after 35, where you're like, Okay, I feel like I know enough. And now yeah. I'm becoming someone who is considered knowledgeable. And, I'm uh, like actually obsessed with that. I think it's a. I think it's a very. If anyone hasn't looked that up, look it up because it's it's a very important thing to understand for self development. And you know, I, it definitely applies to knowledge about fishing and and becoming a better fisherman. But it applies to everything, really.
0: Right, and to kind of maybe maybe kind of blow your mind a little bit more. I I'm 21 and my dad is 42. So, uh, so no. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so I grew up around a lot of my parents' friends who who were obviously not like crazy old. But as I got older, I I grew up around these people, and so everybody's like, "Oh my gosh, you're way more mature for your age." Like, yeah. Know, so when people hear me talk on here, I'm just being a silly, quirky, funny guy. But like in real life, I'm like I'm pretty, I'm semi serious. Like I can carry on like an intellectual conversation with somebody. <laughs> I wasn't like a complete and... jackass like I do on here.
1: And even even if you can't, man, you just fake it till you make it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, how, that's how it goes.
0: We're on episode seventy-one, and this podcast has been faked since February twenty-second of Twenty twenty two. But hey,
1: look look at you now! Look at you now! Who would have thought?
0: Yeah, dude. Fuck. I mean, I just I just made a magazine. I mean, I've never made anything in my life, and I just made a fucking magazine. So dude, it's
1: so funny by just by being on your podcast, I'm finding that my videos are embedded on random bass websites. Um. Okay. Anyway. Uh, yeah, soapbox. So back to it. So, <laughs> listen, reviving fish. During the revival of a fish, people um, tend to be very rough. Um, when you're reviving a fish, the revival should be extremely gentle. It should be extremely uh, soft. Um, I've seen I've <laughs> seen people do it in person, and even friends that I fished with that. Especially with Snook, and it drives me insane, uh, where they'll put the fish in the water, and they either have it by the jaw, or they have it by the tail, and they're just shaking the shit out of this poor fish. And it's like, dude, you're what are you doing? The the fish probably th- thinks he's still fighting, you know? Like, yeah. When you're reviving a fish, you want to place the fish in the water, hold it gently... Gently side to side, never front to back, right? Um, And that's because fish breathe oxygen through a a one-way street, right? The water goes Mm -hmm. in the mouth, through the gills, and out. The water never goes through the gills, to the mouth, and out of the mouth. And water going backwards through the gills is harmful. So you want to gently revive the fish side to side, never front to back, And wait for them to let you know. They will let you know when it's time to go. And with that being said, what I see people do is, when the fish lets them know, they lock down and they hold on to them. Mm -hmm. And they keep holding them. And then the fish keeps trying to kick off, and they keep holding them. And then, finally, the fish... And then all of a sudden, they'll go, oh man, I don't think she's going to make it. It's like, yeah, yeah." because you didn't let her go when she was ready. Um, So, very gentle revivals, especially on Snook. Um, and then as soon as they kick, they kick, they're ready. You let them go. That means they've built up, uh, what they need to, to go and, and, uh, off. anyway, and rant. That's my rant.
0: <laughs> no, you're good, man. I, I think that's a thing that's overlooked, especially, um, I have no expertise in this. I'm just relaying. I'm an echo chamber of what I heard of what I've heard. I've heard freshwater, Freshwater striper, um, guys talk about how there's like a very common. Again, I have no idea what the fuck I'm talking about. I'm just telling. I'm just an echo chamber of what I've heard. Is when you catch one, they're hard to release because because they die because they fight so hard. And I don't know if you know uh, fish everything. Victor Depe, he's a big striper guy over in Maryland. He uh he he's a big striper guy, inland striper, whatever you want to call it, like in lakes and stuff. And he he i don't think they keep any striper and he's like dude it's all about like how you let them go how you go about the release he's like if you if you just like you know brush them back and forth in the water for 3 minutes and let them go like he's like that's like he's like you got to have you got to do yeah, it that's not fifth. a revival yeah yeah exactly it's i don't know man i've i think right, well, it say, seems
1: it seems like we can we can reasonably conclude that a gentle revival is the way because now you're collecting Points of data, right? You have a guy in South Florida telling you the same thing that a guy in Maryland is telling you. So that should lead us to be able to reasonably conclude that softer Jets. Because think about it, dude. All right. Think about it this way, right? Think about an MMA fight. Two guys are going at it, and the one guy gets knocked the fuck out. He's down on the canvas in that tenting position where his arms come up, you know, completely out, stone cold. And then his corner. And the doctors, they run over to him, and they start shaking the living shit out of him, right? Yeah, shit yeah, wake they up, wake up. Shaking them. They start slapping him. When that doesn't work, they grab him by the feet and they start fucking moving him like like he's a fucking lawnmower. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> you, can't. you can't do that to these fi- These are fish that just got done fighting for their lives. Yeah, dude. You have to be as absolutely gentle as possible on the revives, because if not, there's Still fighting for their lives when you think you're reviving them and they are going to die.
0: Yeah, I, I, I mean, like I said, this is all new to me, especially kind of how you're explaining it. But I, I've always had this idea. It's like that, that fight or flight, like they don't know that they're not fighting still. They don't know if they can fly away. They're, 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 they're still locked into like, I am fucking, you know, using every ounce of energy in my body to fight this fucking thing. And yeah. now I'm going back and forth. Like what the fuck?
1: <laughs> yeah right and and like i said they, they will let you know because as soon as they have the energy to start fighting again they'll kick and you let go and they're gone you know what i mean
0: yeah yeah dude exactly it's i don't know it's it's weird at this at the stigmas and the the ways people fall into stuff and that kind of gets considered the norm even though Deep down, you know, like that—that's probably not the best way to do it, but that's the way that everybody does it. So that's probably right. Why not? I'll do it.
1: I I think mostly it's just an issue of, um, inexperience combined with adrenaline. Mm -hmm. So you take someone who's, you know, say you just say you—I bring you down to Florida, right? Or you come down here and we link up, and you catch your first forty. You're you are going to be through the roof. You're going to be absolutely jacked up. And you're you know, snook fights don't last very long. Snook is not like a tarpon. You can land a 40-inch snook in, in 30 seconds,
0: depending oh, on the wow. gear you're
1: using. Oh no shit. Depending on the gear. Um, And, you know, by the time that, by the time you land a tarpon, you're so physically exhausted that they're, the adrenaline's all pretty much gone and you're just grateful that you're not fighting this fucking behemoth anymore, right? Yeah. When you land a snook, you might only be a minute and a half into the entire ordeal and adrenaline is still high. Your heart's racing. You're jacked. You're, you know, and so I think a lot of people, um, that give, that do these like two rough revives, they're just, they're just like jacked up They're They're not able to kind of calm themselves down and go, okay, let's take a breath here. (laughs) Let's do this the right way. They're just, they're still on cloud nine. They want to get their pictures. They want to make sure they have videos to post on Instagram and they're they're kind of like not thinking about it.
0: So yeah, it's not. I'm it's... not.
1: I don't want to sit here and say that. Oh, if you're someone who's been revi- you know not reviving fish properly, that you're like an idiot or you're a bad fisherman. Because that's not the case at all. Just right. you know, people don't know what they don't know. And there's always always exactly what I, what I said uh, to start this podcast that there's always things to learn and room to improve and and ways to grow and and become better.
0: Yeah, dude. That's. <clears throat> I don't know. It's like it's it's a whole interesting thing and uh I guess you just got to kind of lo- take what you learn and you have to go with it. Like if if you realize like oh uh totally hypothetical like oh my mortality rate is is 25% when I when I catch these fish. Like hmm yeah, I bet you I could probably do something where maybe maybe it's two percent, like maybe maybe one fish I catch every four months doesn't make it, or may or maybe kicks off a little weak and I kind of am nervous. But there's, a, I feel like there's no matter what it is, there's something that you can improve on to just to make it a, a little bit better. It's when you stop and you become content with what you're doing that uh, that it becomes stagnant and 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 it probably isn't as good as you think it is, I guess.
1: So you want to hear something interesting about that? As far as the, because uh, one of one of the phrases that drives me crazy more than anything is "swam off strong" oh, <laughs> or kicks off strong." Yeah, yeah. So all, pretty much all fish have what's called the isthmus a cartilaginous bundle of ligaments. Okay. Oh my gosh. Yes. The isthmus, a cartil- cartilaginous bundle of ligaments. This is what allows them to open up their mouth. Like you ever see those slow mo um, videos of bass eating, like a bluegill, and their mouth just like
0: it almost looks like, like
1: a, it looks like how a cast net opens. Their mouth just flies open, and the yeah. bait gets slurped in. Yep. And snook, snook are like that on steroids, right? They're they're that same thing times a hundred, and that's because of this bundle of ligaments. So what happens when you hold these fish by the jaw only, and you don't support the belly, is you will rupture those ligaments. Um, And then the fish will swim off strong. But what happens is they lose their, their slurping power. They lose their ability to open their mouth quickly and bring the bait into their mouth. So yes, they'll swim off strong, but then they die a slow, painful starvation death because they can't eat anymore.
0: Oh shit, dude.
1: Yeah, so it's very important that when you're catching big fish that you support the belly and you don't grab them solely by the jaws. That goes for all fish, but specifically snooks. So if any of you guys come down and you do catch a big snook, do not grab it just by the jaw because it will swim off strong and then it will die slowly and painfully because it won't be able to eat.
0: Yeah, that's like when, when you see guys holding probably a bass over like four pounds and they have it on that 45 degree angle like that is absolutely catastrophic for a bass like a large mouth and small mouth bass yeah. is like it disconnects it or it just oh, it just God. fucks it up
1: you know it drives me crazy when people they have one hand in the mouth and the other hand around the tail and they're holding the fish almost like i don't know it's like they're getting ready to like rat tail somebody with it like they're holding it like a it's like they're trying to stretch it out you know
0: yeah, yeah, it's I know what you're talking about.
1: It, it flares their gills open. It's like, why would you ever hold a fish like that? I saw a picture of a guy recently. He caught a big snook, and he was holding it by the top jaw.
0: Oh, my – what the hell?
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just, like – I just looked at it, dude, and I was like, you know what? I can't – I don't even know what to say about this one. He had two hands with both of his – and not his thumbs. In, you know how usually you put your thumbs in the mouth of the fish? Yeah, yeah. He had all of his fingers in the mouth with his two thumbs basically on the nose of the snook and he was holding it up all proud for a picture. And I was like, huh, okay. Now cool. here's the
0: real question. Was he standing belly to belly with the fish? Or was he standing like to the side no. of it where he was like holding it out?
1: No, he was standing like belly to back, like he was the big spoon with this snook. It was the weirdest thing. It was fucking weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was big spooning it. <laughs> oh my gosh.
0: But So, dude, what
1: do you – what you guys fish mostly bass up there, right? Yeah, so
0: I like to – I mean, smallmouth smallmouth is like the river that I live on. It's primarily smallmouth. There's some good pike and and some okay largemouth, but it's primarily a smallmouth area that I live in right now. Yeah. And then when I – I used to live two hours north, uh, up a little bit higher, up a little bit northern in Michigan, and I – the lakes that I would fish were – like we'd have uh, pier heads like jetties connecting into Lake Michigan. And so I would fish Lake Michigan all the time when I got super big into swim bait fishing and it was just like catching, you know, 17 inch five pound largemouth, like just absolute literal oh, bowling sick. balls of fish balls off, of, right. oh, off yeah. of 20 foot visibility Lake Michigan rock piles. Like it dude, it was it's such a cool thing to do. It's so awesome.
1: Dude, I I, you know what I really want to catch is I want to catch like uh pike and muskie.
0: Pike pike are a lot of fun. I've only lost one muskie before but I mean, relative they are the same thing. I mean, pike or musky, right. usually when people catch musky, they're bigger and musky you have to work a lot harder for cuz obviously there's not as many fish at 10,000 casts. Pike pike is yeah. like your, pike is like your uh your your peacock bass, your consolation prize. Oh,
1: okay, I got you. And yeah, so but like, don't they get big, don't they get like over 40.
0: Yeah, yeah, so I caught I caught a like a big one with like 37 38 last year and like like a, a a good size one like one that i would catch and i'd be like like oh like i caught a good pike the other day it would probably be like that 32 35 inches like a really well respected fish
1: yeah and then yeah. Like
0: 40 40 is like when you get in to talk about getting like a replica mount like that that's like my standards i guess is what i would go
1: with Dude, I would love to catch one of those. And listen, if your consolation fish is is forty inches and you know twenty 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 five pounds, that's a it's a heck of a consolation prize.
0: Unfortunately, that's like a best case scenario. You can go out yeah. and you'll catch you'll catch 15, uh, fifteen like fourteen inch pike on jerk baits. Like that's just how what, it is.
1: What what's like, what's, what's your pie, guys, what, what's you your uh, what's your magic number? What's what's like the unicorn? Of Of size for a pike or a muskie, because for us down here, the unicorn is a fifty inch snook. Like I have never personally seen a fifty inch snook. I've never even seen someone post a fifty inch snook on social media. so uh, oh, that's shit. that's the uh, that's like the unicorn. and I know there's companies out there that have a bounty that hey, if you sh- you show us a fifty inch snook, we'll give you whatever x amount of dollars.
0: yeah, I think. For for pike, it's probably fifty inches. Like fifty inches isn't absolutely unheard of, but there's a lot more forty inches that are caught. And you, dude, I don't even know if I've seen a fifty inch pike like in recent years. Like I yeah. could be complete. I could be completely talking out of my ass right now, but I feel like that is a very large fish to catch. And for muskie, I would say. So, hold on here, are you
1: familiar
0: Mus- with like, f- gets are you familiar like 60, right? With like, yeah, I was gonna say, are you familiar yeah. with like the shape of Michigan, like kind of how it lays out as far as like waterways?
1: yeah, it's it's butted up to the Great Lakes, right?
0: Yeah, yep. so so i I lived on the west side, which is Lake Michigan, which is cool salmon area and stuff. And then on the east side, that's like where Lake St. Clair is, the Detroit River. That's like where all these guys walleye fish. And like they're they're going out there and they're accidentally catching forty inch muskie on drop shots when they go and, and fish for Dude. for smallmouth or or like walleye and shit. And so like like I've heard st- like this is this is stuff that I've heard like from a couple people. So I consider it to be something that probably is pretty factional. Is yeah. you'll be out there you'll be out there fishing in the middle of Lake St Clair, which St Clair I think is like twelve feet all the way across. Like it's just a super flat fucking like basin. And like they're Ooh. talking about like you're fishing, and you look over and you see musky like porpoising, like they're fucking dolphins or something. Like, <laughs> That's I'm sick. I, I've heard this from a couple charters, and I've heard this from a couple buddies, and I'm like, are you serious? like how is that like like everybody talks about how prestigious musky are, and you go out there and you're accidentally catching them on drop shots and and you're seeing them porpoise like they're like they're fucking schooling yeah. dolphins in the golf Gulf shores, like Gulf of Mexico. Like, that is just – that's, like, such a magical place. It's so crazy.
1: Well, tar- tarpon do that too. Tarpon roll like that. And it's it's really cool to see you. I mean, we were just sitting there, and all of a sudden this 150-pound fish just rolls in front of you, and you're like, holy shit. So, just, you know what I, was, you so know what I was wondering? Because um, we have – down here in Florida – and I was telling you, I, we were talking about this a little bit before the, we started recording today, is that South Florida is, people call it like the little Amazon. It's like a uh-huh. a microcosm of the Amazon, basically. And we have all kinds of mystery shit down here because yeah. of some of it, a lot of it is because of exotic pets that have been not necessarily intentionally released. Some are intentionally released, for sure. I think a lot of the Python... Um, Our python problem is from uh, pets. You know, people will buy a Burmese python when it's cute and small. And then when it gets to 10 feet, they're like, oh, shit. And so they let it go. Um, But, dude, like, we hook mystery fish where you're like, what the fuck was that? You know, Um, we have everything from giant red-tailed catfish to crocodiles to Burmese pythons to... um, I mean, all, all kinds of stuff. All kinds of exotics, clown yeah, knife fish. Um, so do, what I was wondering is, do you guys have anything like that up there? Do you have something up north that, you know, where you fucked into something and to this day you don't know what it is type of thing?
0: Uh, no. And I think it's because we live in an area with a harsh winter, so, like, you can't have anything crazy, crazy, like, all cool guys, like that. Yeah but like, I feel like Florida is that tropical area where shit can just grow and like thrive. But I will say you can go on Lake St. Clair and you can catch three pound goldfish. Like literal, literal 19 cent goldfish. I don't know what it is, but I know a guy shot like a good size one in a bow fishing tournament a couple of years back. And he was like all over in some news articles and stuff. I'll I'll try to find the picture. I'll screenshot and send it to you. But like, I've heard of guys catching goldfish, like, not regularly, but like, they'll catch one or two or a couple throughout a year. Like, it's not uncommon at
1: all. That's crazy. A goldfish. But, like, but other than, you know, like, we have those too. Dude, I wish you could, like, I wish I could just, like, take you around and show you. Cause it's, if, for those of you guys listening, if you haven't been down here to go fishing, you got to do it because we have, um, we have goldfish. We see them swimming. We have koi fish. I've seen giant koi fish out in oh, the wild. Cool. We have, I mean, snakeheads. You know, there's, a, there's a place here in Orlando called uh, Osceola Outback where you can catch oh. barramundis.
0: Yes, I know that place. I, I've seen a bunch of pictures from that place. That is so sick.
1: Yes, and for the for the locals here in Florida, people like, you know the serious fishermen like scoff at it i think even my business partner who's co-owner of snook snacks with me i was telling him like dude we should go catch bear Mundi. he's like this is stupid i'm not gonna do it you know but in asia did it my fiance did it and it's so cool man like have you seen these huge bear from uh from australia
0: yeah yep I, I, I there's a couple guys who listen to the podcast who fish for murray cod and stuff and I dude. I scrolled through the pages and seen
1: that stuff, dude. It is Those so Murray insane. cod blowing up on top water on frogs and stuff—that's incredible. But yeah, so you can go in Florida, like you can go to Miami and catch a 150-pound tarpon. The next day, you can go to to uh, Broward County and catch a five-pound peacock bass. The next day, you can go to Palm Beach County and catch a clown knife fish. The next day, you could go to St. Lucie County and catch a 40-inch nook. And then the next day, you could go up to Orange or Osceola County and catch a barramundi. If you wanted to plan like a five day Florida trip, you could, you could check off like in an almost an entire like global checklist of fish in, in within 150 miles of each other.
0: Dude, that is just so wild. That's even like somebody doing that.
1: And, and if you think about it, you, you know, day one would be like being off the coast of Africa because like Gaboon and stuff is where they catch those world record, like 260 pound tarpons. Um, so you do that in Miami, right? You can 100 pounds is well within the realm of possibility on any given night in Miami. And then, so it's almost like the equivalent of being over there. Then the next day you're in Broward catching peacock bass, which is you know, a lot of people go to the Amazon for that. So it's like you just went from Africa to the Amazon, and then the next day you go catch a clown knife fish, which are from somewhere in Asia, you know. And then yeah. from there you go up and you catch your snook, which obviously the common snook is is uh. That's like Florida, Brazil, Colombia. Well, I don't know about Colombia. I know Florida and Brazil for sure, Um, and like Central America. But you know, it's it's definitely a different thing, man. It's a whole different thing down here. And we also have like world class bass fishing. You can go catch ten pound bass in Lake Okeechobee on your way.
0: Yeah, dude, that's so freaking sick. And one thing that just kind of getting back on track. What? Like we we talked about uh, talked about how you you're catching these snook and tarpon on swim baits, what what kind of swim baits are you using? Because like a lot of guys who listen to this podcast and and you might even be like kind of disconnected from it because this isn't really your style of swim bait fishing. Even like that's that's super weird to say like oh you're fishing a different style of swim baits because it's just relative to the, to the truth. Like these guys like I'm sure you know of like Toxic and and Piz and all those guys right? Yep yep. Yeah, so are you're not fishing, like, garage-made baits like that, like those resin baits, are you?
1: Well, so, and I'm sure a lot of your guys listening to what I'm about to say are going to go, idiot. Um, but, uh, dude, uh, pretty much all of my swim bait fishing, or my glide bait fishing, because I guess you guys call them swim baits, but for me, it has to be, like, a hard two-piece, or a swim bait is a soft bait and a glide bait is, yeah. like, a hard two-piece bait. So you're mostly referring to glide baits, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, glide baits or okay. even crankdowns or whatever.
1: So, okay, but you're still talking about, like, a two- to three-piece hard bait. Yeah. It's either yep, yep. wear, wear a resin. I have done almost all of my damage on Savage Gear Glide Swimmers. Yeah,
0: that's, I, I, knew, I knew the answer to this question. That's why I wanted to ask you because I wanted to hear what, what Savage Gear
1: glide swimmer. The Savage Gear Glide Swimmer is an 8-inch bait. It has that long, slim profile, that snook-like. Um, because so it's a, it's more like bass, like a big fat profile, like a shad yeah, and snook like a long slim profile, like a mullet or a ladyfish. Mm-hmm. or a needlefish. Yeah. So I've always just gravitated towards the glide swimmer. Um, and you know, I know a lot of people are like, well, whatever, $25, $35, uh, glide bait. Um, but I've done really well with them, dude. I've caught a lot of big snook, caught a lot of bass with bycatches. I've even caught tarpon on them, which I wouldn't recommend really glide baits for tarpon. But it is possible. Um, and then the only uh, like small batch glide bait that I ever threw besides that was one that uh, Top Banana Lures made, that he made right, basically yeah. just for me. So yeah, Which, by the way, if you guys are interested in one of those inshore, indestructible mullet glide baits from Top Banana, he does make them to order. So you just have to uh, slide in his DMs. And, uh, have 150 bucks ready and he'll make one for you.
0: Hell yeah, dude. That's so sick. And so we, we, obviously we talked about, uh, the, the glide bait side of stuff. And like, I feel like a staple is like that soft paddle tail bait, whether it be like what you fish on a jig head or even like the savage gear line through stuff. And when did you kind of get your, when did you figure out like, oh, these things, like these things are damn good for what I'm trying to do here.
1: So, all right. So that really started with the release of the line through Pulse Tail Mullet, which was uh, in the very beginning of 2020. So three years ago. And I was like one of the very early adopters, right? I had them on pre-order because as soon as I saw it, I was like, this is sick. I need this. So I pre-ordered a bunch of them and they came in and I only got the eight inch. Like I I can't stand throwing a small small baits like you won't catch me throwing a six inch swim bait it just it bores me to death you know if they made the mullet in a 10 inch i would throw it but they don't unfortunately so i got the eight inch um and pretty quickly uh actually my first day throwing the eight inch i caught a big snook i caught like a 38 inch snook and i was i was like okay this is fucking cool and then it's line (laughs) through so i'm sure you know the benefits of the line through but for anyone listening who doesn't know is the line Goes through the bait and they tie the hook on, and then the hook mounts yeah. into the lure. And then when the fish bites it, the lure slides up the line, so they can no longer use the weight of the lure to shake the hook. Mm-hmm. And the hookup ratio, or the not the hookup ratio, but the catch ratio on these line through mullets was like through the roof. I mean, if you if they got it near their lips, you're pretty much on, and you're not losing them. Um, so my tarpon uh, catches went just. But astronomical, I want to say my tarpon catch ratio on the line through pulse tail mullet is like 70%, which is unheard of for tarpon. But wow. So I got those, uh, I got the uh, Savage Year pulse tail mullets in and that was it for like a year. That was all I threw and I was catching, I mean, everything because down here, everything eats a mullet. And it was from there I started to branch off to um, the line through bluegill um which we have by the way guys if you're out there listening and you're like a savage gear pure old school purist the savage gear 3d line through bluegill which is the segmented six inch bluegill um swim bait they're discontinued but i have them i have a bunch of them because i found some some like warehouse in alabama that had <laughs> them in overstock and they weren't selling and i was like how many you got i'll take all of them so i actually have like two giant boxes full of those and. I did that because we realized that everyone else was throwing... Uh, everyone down here throws the Savage Gear Trout, and some people throw the Gizzard for Big Spillway Snook. And I tapped into that 3D Bluegill, and it was like a cheat code, dude. We just started catching Big Snook. Like, you, I'd be standing next to someone throwing the Trout, and I would catch, you know, 340-inch Snook for every one they would catch. And a couple of us just caught on to it. And it was like, wow, this thing is sick. So I bought this guy out. Um, and then, you know, so really I kind of gone through the gauntlet of the Savage Gear baits. And part of that is a product of me selling them through my company. But I do still throw other baits. Like if something looks cool, I'll get it. Um, I, like I got the draw from Six Cents. I actually caught a 40-inch snook on it the first night I got it. Uh, <laughs> my partner's a big bass guy. And when I sent him the picture of the snook, he was like flipping out. Um, <laughs> and then you know, we sell. We've got some of the six cent stuff. We've got some of the thirteen, the thirteen fishing. Like we got the ladyfish. We have the bamp shads, and we've thrown all this stuff. So, um, I'm and I'm always like looking for cool new stuff, man. I mean, it's that's part of the fun of what we do. Is is discovering new baits and and figuring out ways to to make fish eat them and you know i think part of what i do is so outside of the box like a lot of people still don't understand it they're you know you have guys down here that'll say oh well i can i can go catch that fish on a 50 cent you know whatever fucking crappie jig from walmart yeah yeah you could you could but i mean it doesn't really sound fun you know like it's more fun to like take this gigantic swim bait and make this snook like absolutely thump it like his life depends on I mean, it. That's way cooler. Um, yeah, dude. Have you
0: tapped into like Mike Buka's bullshad multi-joint swimmers or anything like that?
1: Dude, I honestly I really haven't, man. Like I know you know what? I've, I mean, you mentioned earlier about the uh, that swim bait group on Facebook. I think yeah, I got yeah. kicked out of I, I think I got kicked out of that group actually. Oh, no shit. <laughs> I swear to God, I was in one of those big swim bait groups, right? Like a oh, one. On
0: if, if it was a handful of years ago, it might've been swim bait badlands, which no longer exists. So that might be why you're not a part well, of it anymore.
1: I was in, no, no, no. I got kicked out. I was in one of these big groups and, um, because I, you know, it's all bass guys. And I was, yeah. it was when I was just getting into the big swim bait. So I'm like, Hey, let me, let me get in these groups and talk to the other people that are doing the same thing I'm doing. So one of the first posts I saw in the group was about what line do you use and what size leader do you use? And all these guys are, say, are saying, oh, I use 80-pound leader and I use 20-pound, or I, I'm sorry, I use 80-pound uh, mainline and I use like 20 or 30-pound uh, leader, floral leader. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this guy's a fucking idiot. This guy's a total <laughs> moron. You're going to lose every fish you hook, right? Because yeah. at the time, I didn't know that that's what bass guys do. They use the heavy mainline, and then they use the light leader so that the fish can't see the leader because we do the opposite. I'll use 65 mainline, and then I'll use 100-pound leader. Mm-hmm. So I basically came in guns blazing not knowing what I was getting into, and I got into <laughs> a big argument with these guys about how stupid they were, and they are telling me how stupid I am. For using a hundred pound leader and how I'll never get a bite, and I'm like, you don't understand. You've never caught a hundred pound tarpon, and they're like, you've never yeah, caught a ten yeah. pound bass, and you know we're going back and forth, and it got really, it got really nasty, and I eventually was
0: uh, escorted out of
1: the page. I was gently escorted off out of the group. Yeah. <laughs> that's one way oh to put God. it. Cheers. <laughs> so that's, hilarious. that's how that's how I learned. Which, by the way, bass guy is out there. I still think you're you're way off. Like, okay, so maybe you can explain this to me because tell me as, as, you know, guy who's isolated in Southeast Florida and knows nothing else about fishing anywhere else in the country. Yeah. Yeah. Why would you ever need 80 pound mainline? If you only have 20 pound leader, you're only as strong as your leader, right? You know, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you straight
0: up, Kevin. I don't, I don't run a leader. That's, I don't trust my knots that much. What? Dude. Yeah. Just straight, like straight 17 pound call it
1: a day. 17 pound yeah, yeah what? I, I what are you running
0: mono uh poly. what's that uh it's a, it's like a hybrid so it's got like it's like mono but it stretches like or er, it's like mono but it doesn't stretch as much it stretches like fluorocarbon fluorocarbon
1: uh, okay You you fish or, or this, mono? this
0: might this might make you cringe a little bit because it makes it makes the bass guys cringe when i say i don't run a leader I I used to, and I will probably go back to running straight sixty-five pound Daiwa Slick Eight
1: braid. Okay, I'm okay with that. I mean, I I, I personally too. like uh, I like um, what's it called uh, suffix eight three two power
0: Pro. I like Power Pro too.
1: Power Pro is too rough for me. I like the suffix eight three two because it's it's more abrasion resistant. Okay,
0: yeah. See, like if. I'm not going to say all, a majority, okay, maybe not even a majority, a handful of bass guys, more, probably more than half. I would say they'd be like, where are you fishing? I'd say, uh, Lake Michigan. Okay, cool. 20 foot of visibility. They'd be like, okay, cool. What line are you fishing? And as soon as I type in B-R-A-I-D braid with no leader, I would probably get hung out to dry i would get nailed onto the cross and and that would be the end of the story (laughs) because like there's like some stigma behind it like i'm sure it's probably because and this this might be something because because maybe i this is like uh like a sin to say as a bass fisherman but i feel like you could get behind it i feel like as guys who fish for bass we give them a lot of credit not saying they're stupid animals but not saying they're you know they're not as fucking smart as like an elephant is like I don't think that fish is going to care if it sees sees my line. I've caught so many fish in Lake Michigan in 20-foot, 30-foot of visibility with 65-pound moss green line braid that is so out of the natural presentation of literally anything swimming in that whole lake, and the bass don't care. They come up, bro, they do bro, not think twice fighting this bait.
1: I support you. I am behind you on that. Bass guys, if you want to come for us, please you can, we can Kevin argue about it
0: as a Florida angler because I am with Kevin on this.
1: <laughs> Listen, and we wholly accept you into our community. Awesome. Uh, because dude, like honestly, bass, I, I've walked, I, the other day I was fishing a new spot. I was exploring a little lake and it was very like, it was surrounded by a thicket of trees and I found, like, a little passage that I was able to wiggle my big ass into. I'm, I'm, like, 6'3", 300 pounds. So I was, like, I, like, wiggled myself through there. And as soon as I popped out, there's a bass on the bank. And, like, we made eye contact. Like, he looked at me. Yeah, bro. Like, we had a moment, and it was, like, sup. And, like, when he saw me, he turned. Like, he was going to swim away. But then he just stopped. And so I had, I had like, a fluke on, and I threw it out. As it hit the water, he ate it. Like, you can't tell me bass are these, like, omnipresent, you know, highly intelligent creatures. So, I think that your assessment that a bass is not as intelligent as an elephant is probably accurate. And, and I'm, saying that, I'm saying that very sarcastically, obviously, because we know, like, know elephants are...
0: Yeah, don't get me wrong. Like, I I think there's a point in time where maybe, maybe, you know, that, that, okay, this is like getting so fucking hypothetical. It doesn't even count, but there's a point in time where, where maybe this, you know, 12 pound bass has seen 45 glide baits come through it its whole life in, in SoCal. Like it's, it's seen every right. single glide bait, every single paint pattern. And okay. I could see like, maybe if, if it sees it and it's in this bait is getting fished on a lighter line and it maybe has like a different swim to it. I can see where that makes a difference, where that makes a difference but I don't see the line being like a visual factor. Like unless it alters the style of the swim, I feel like that's gotta be like the main, that's, that's like the main thing I see is like if it alters the swim, but I do not care about the visual appearance. This thing is coming up to eat my cotton candy, pink depths 250. I do not yeah. think it cares about whether it can see my line or not. I'm just being with, honest. Guys. With, you can,
1: you can with two gigantic, gigantic trouble of, with two yeah, gigantic exactly. trouble of hanging off the bottom. Yeah. Yeah,
0: Exactly. You guys can cancel scales and tails, but my ideology my my ideological sense is going to be here forever because somebody's going to carry this torch when I end up in my grave, and they're going to be they're going to be fishing sixty five pound braid
1: with no leader
0: catching fish. You want to know what
1: crazy. I? You know what I want to think too, because as long as long as we're um, alienating and upsetting your entire audience, I, I do have something I want to say.
0: Oh, I'm ready
1: for it. I'm already on board. <laughs> I love it, bro. Hold on. Let me get a sip of this bourbon real quick because it's really oh, you're helping. Good, you're good. Mm. <laughs> um oh, so I do feel like the swim bait community is very like um. Oh, I'm so ready for almost, this. It's almost like pigeonholed itself into a corner where it's like you have to catch the fish on a swim bait. You know, mm-hmm. and like you like you were saying that um that, Bass has seen every swim bait. It's seen a Piz. It's seen mm-hmm. an 86. It's seen a Puka. It's seen a... It's seen everything right by its face, right? Like, what if you just went up to that bass and you dropped a Sanko in front of him? Or what if you went up to him and you dropped a crawfish in front of him? He'd eat it. Yeah, yeah, dude. Right? So, or am I wrong? Am I Tell me... If I'm wrong, no, please no. tell me I'm so, wrong. But that's what so my gut I'll, tells me.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'll go on my tangent, and I... I think that
1: okay. So what you said is not out of the on, realm. Of- so within the big bass community, and I get it. There is a there is a level of prestige to being able to fool a bass on a giant swim bait, right? And yeah, it's kind yeah. of like it's not necessarily that it's the best method for catching a trophy it's bass on artificial, but it's there's a level of prestige that goes yep. along with it. Doesn't necessarily align with being the most efficient method for catching a big fish. Am I right?
0: Exactly. Exactly. It okay. is like. So I'm gonna break this down from a. I'm gonna break this down from a couple standpoints. It is like you know you, you were just talking about tequila and stuff. It's like being a bourbon snob. You look down on Jack Daniels. You look down on Old yep. Smoky. Oh yeah. It only is good if it costs two hundred three hundred dollars a bottle, and that is like. So, so there's the there's the common uh, whiskey drinkers, bourbon drinkers, who who will classify is is the guys like on the on the um, <clears throat> on the conventional Facebook pages, the ones with 150, 300, 000 followers. That that guys guys catch a fish that's 16 inches and say it's 10 pounds, and and people are like, good fish, yeah, yeah, good fish, that sort of thing. And then the 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 bourbon drinkers are the swim bait guys who who have it in their mind that this is the only thing. If you're not catching them on a swim bait, it doesn't count. Or I'm yeah. not cool because I caught this fish on a Senko. And I think, and I, I feel like a lot of people think this way. That's something that a lot of guys go through. They get caught up. like in the, I think the first three years when somebody discovers swim baits, that second year they get into it and like they have fun and they catch a lot of fish on it. And that third year they sell all their conventional gear and they say swim baits or die. And I think that is something that a lot if not all guys go through <clears throat> i was i was i'm not gonna lie i was in that period i've been somebody fishing for five years now five six years and dude i won't lie first year i got into it i dropped like three grand i bought a hinkle trout i bought a drt ghost i bought uh, a phony <laughs> shad a depth 250 dude i was buying i was buying more shit than i could i was window shopping on
1: facebook like i had i had a big yeah. account like kardashian it, it's dude. an obsession it's crazy. an absolute obsession trust
0: yes, me Exactly.
1: Dude, listen. I understand because even though I only really throw the Savage Gear glides, you know how many Savage Gear glides I have right now because of my business? I mean, uh, (laughs) I have every single glide bait that Savage Gear makes. Every size and every color available with at least three of every single one right now that I own. Like, You know what I mean? Like... Thousands and thousands of dollars worth of just savage gear glides. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I want No no dude, you're good. You know what? I also there is something else i I wanted to say really quick because I don't want anyone to call (laughs) I don't want anyone to call me out on my bullshit. I'd rather call myself out on my own bullshit because there are times like now that I am bullshit, which is I know I just criticized the bass guys for being too far down the rabbit hole of the big swim bait game. Um, And that there are easier ways to catch. When earlier I said that you know you can making fun of the guy that can catch the same snook on the Walmart jig or oh yeah 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 I, get it. I I get it though because this is this is the rabbit hole I went down with snook is the big swim baits and the big but I feel like I also have hit a point where we're we're kind of like turning the tide on snook fishing down here with the big swim baits and they're actually more effective. Um, But I, I, I do get it, though, because I have gone down that road where, like, what I'll do is I will find a big swim bait that I think is cool. Not that I think it catches fish. I just think it's, I think it's cool. And I will <laughs> throw it and throw it and throw it and throw it. And I'll throw it until I catch something on it. Right. And then, But then what happens is during that process. And I think this goes for any bait, and this is why I think it's so weird how people get tribal about what baits they use and what companies they back. Is anything that you commit yourself to, you yeah. will end up being successful in. Yes, yeah, exactly. So if you decide that you want to buy a mother chaser for what are those like a thousand dollars? Yeah, uh, uh, eleven 1, hundred, I think. Uh, approximately. Right. So, it, and they're how? What are they? Ten or eleven inches, or something, or something ridiculous. Oh.
0: No, dude, they're like fifteen or sixteen.
1: Okay, well, if you decide you want to buy a mother chaser, and you tie it on, and you commit to not taking it off, and that's the only thing you're gonna throw, you're gonna figure it out, dude. Yeah. You're gonna get good you're at trick, it.
0: You're gonna trick a fish.
1: <laughs> yes, and you're gonna, you're going to find the best way to throw that bait. You know. So I don't want anyone to get offended and be like, "Oh, he's talking shit about swim bait bass guys." Because I'm just, I'm just a swim bait snook guy. I've, I've gone through the same stuff. <laughs> But I do think that, um, you know, because it's, it's true too with snook that if I wanted to, I could go to some of my known spots with a live bait and just drop it in and catch the fish. It'd be easier. Right. Yeah. That's not fun. Yeah. It's not fun. So I, I get you big, big swim bait bass guys. I totally get you. I'm just, I'm just being uh, the devil's advocate right now.
0: Right. Yeah. And, uh, It's, there's a thing like, I, I, who said it? Somebody said it, or maybe it's a quote. Like when you first start to fish, you fish to catch fish. Mm -hmm. When you get into fishing, like you do it because it's fun. And then like you learn a technique and you realize that's super fun. And then it goes full circle and you just go out to fish because you just want to catch fish. You want to have a good time full circle there. And a lot of guys, it, for some reason, whether it's just because it's the cool thing or, because they they like it or or whatever they think they're going to ha- they 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 feel like they're going to have better chances that third step of, of fishing a technique because you like it that's that's always what swim baits end up on like you never i mean I, there of course you, there is but you never hear of a guy that's like oh, I I fish. Uh, I only fish a jerkbait no matter what. It could be 100 degrees outside. The water temperature could be 80 degrees. It could be six-foot weeds and in, in five feet of water. I'm fishing a jerkbait. Like, no. no yeah. There's. I don't think there's a, a quote-unquote conventional side that is as stubborn as swimbait guys. And and I, I honestly think the swimbait guys are so stubborn that they just invent new shit to fish so that they can call it a swimbait and to fish it like in a different, different setting. Like, like you have, you have crankdowns, you have wakes, you have yeah. flight, you multi swimmers, you have soft, you have soft baits, you have soft weedless baits, you have exposed jig hook baits, you have uh, wedge tails, you have paddle tails, dude, it's like, there is dude, so much stuff out so there. It's so funny because it's so,
1: it's so true because like, I mean, I will not fish a rubber worm for that reason. It's boring. Yeah. It's boring. I'm sorry. Like you might catch, you know, you you ever you like run into old guys that are like, "Yep, all that fish is a net spinner." You know, whatever. Oh, a, a watermelon pumpkin seed. Uh, whatever the fuck. Trick worm. Like, whatever. It's like cool, but that's boring, dude. Yeah. That's, I don't want to do that. <laughs> you know. And like all right, I'm, I'm not... officially switching over to tequila. How long do these usually go? How long have we been on? Two hours. Jesus.
0: Uh, yeah, somewhere around there with the the recording cutouts, probably like an hour 45 or so.
1: (laughs) All right. I know some of you know, while. I don't know. I don't know what your timeline is like tonight, but you just let me know.
0: No, you're good, man. Yeah. We'll, we'll kind of not necessarily close it down, but we'll start to close. We'll start to tie up some loose ends. We've got a lot of conversations open here about, about really pissing off the listeners tonight. So we'll keep on track with that. Oh,
1: (laughs) is that what we're doing? Hold on. I'm getting your call. I just, you heard my phone ring, right? No, no, you're good, but I can stop this real quick. No, 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 no. My phone oh. just rang. It's from my buddy who I've been tarpon fishing with lately. He's out on Biscayne Bay right now solo on his skiff. Oh
0: shit. No,
1: he said he just landed a hundred and fifty pound tarpon solo.
0: Oh my god. On what? Do you know? Was it on a paddle tail or something cool? Or was it on a was it on a damn green watermelon Garyamoto Senko?
1: <laughs> Dude, I'm I'm asking him right now. This first, is of all, I told that first of all, he told me he's a sick fuck being by himself. Oh, my God. And he did it on my RTF shrimp, bro. Oh, my no. gosh. That's so sick. He did it on my shrimp. That's so damn cool. <laughs> it's like – And the, you know what's even cooler is that he he uh, customized the shrimp because the shrimp has a very stout J-hook on it, right? This is what we've been okay, throwing yeah. lately. And, uh, what he did is he customized it to have a circle hook in the nose of the shrimp. And he said, that's what he just landed it on.
0: No shit, dude. <clears throat> that's,
1: oh my gosh. Like, I don't know
0: what it is. Like maybe, maybe it's just me looking at it from the outside or from the outside in, but like the passion I see you guys have for it. And like what you've talked about in like, just, just this last three minutes of you talking about this guy catching this fish, like, there's something different about what you guys are doing, like than than what oh I dear. what I do. That's all there is to it, I think.
1: That's so crazy. This is so this is so sick because I'm talking to him real time and I'm conveying to you what literally just transpired moments ago in the Biscayne Bay of Miami, on the lures I sell. This guy just landed a <laughs> landed a hundred and fifty pound tarpon. I cannot wait to see the picture. Hey, maybe. Uh, once he sends, if he sends me some quality pictures, you can post them on your Instagram and be like, yeah, Hey, dude. this, we re- we broke this news live on our last podcast. Yeah.
0: We're, we're like one of those 24 hour news stations. Like we're, we're conveying this live time. I mean, it's going to be a week and a half old by the time people hear it, but what's it matter? Like it's still sick. Um, where, where can, where, uh, where, where can people buy this bait, this magical
1: bait to catch 150 pound tarpon? Oh guys. Uh, I own snooksnacks.com. Uh, we have them there. Snook Snacks was born of my my obsession with the big swim baits um, and has just devolved into madness of all kinds of stuff, the shrimps, the big swim baits, the mullets, the Z-mans, the dude, we even sell the, the 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 wake the rats, the wake bait rats? I mean, you name it. we got it. We sell jigs, bluegills. Um, but yep, yeah, that's my website. And we sell all that stuff. and everything the, you know everything we sell is stuff that I have personally used and believe in. I don't sell anything because it's like you know, oh this looks cool or people are buying this. It's shit right. that I know works.
0: Dude that is, oh my gosh. I think I don't know, I'm so jealous sitting here because like, we have snow on the ground and you're talking about being in a skiff in the middle of Miami catching fish. like like Fish that weigh half as much as me. like Not half as much, but Oh my gosh dude like three quarters of me that's just so awesome <laughs> i don't know so like, let me, I, let, I, me read I,
1: you, let me read you the transcript from from pat he says oh, yes. he went two for three solid hookups using the circle hook one took me into the marina and broke me when i tried to turn it but had three or four jumps that went higher than me pat's about six feet tall also caught a 20 inch trout on it um Had him both side, and I touched him. He gave me a good head shake, and it came out, and he swam away good. But the shrimp was pegged in the corner just as I hoped. Wow, dude. That's so cool. Seeing him modify the bait and catching 150-pound tarpon solo. And I trust Pat's judgment because the one we landed the other night was enormous, and Mm -hmm. we both agreed it was about 110 pounds. So if, if he says 150, um, I I trust him all the way that this was an, yeah. an enormous fish. I'm just wow. I'm
0: trying to put into perspective, like, dude, I catch I catch a three pound river smallmouth, and that thing, uh, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna it's, like it. it's
1: it's 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 an entirely different thing that unless oh, exactly. you are, it's like, uh, it's hard to describe, you know? Yeah, but exactly. You have you have to experience it, man, because you're 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 literally um battling with a wild animal that is as big as a grown man like yeah and not only as big as a grown man but more attached to it more powerful more ferocious and with a stronger will to live than any other man you've ever met like you know what i mean like and once yeah. you hook them it's it, it's really incredible it's like uh, I want to say it's like going to the, the zoo and like seeing the lions, but it would be like going to the zoo and seeing the lions, except there's no there's no uh, fence between you and them. You know, <laughs> you're just right there and yeah. you get that yeah. close to it and you go, holy shit. But then, you know, what's the worst part that puts all that in perspective, especially in Miami, is getting sharked um oh,
0: yeah. fuck that
1: i don't know if you, you've that, heard of this dude. but you're you're landing a 150 pound tarpon and then next thing you chur- know tappet, a half hammerhead it. bites it in half w- with one bite and you're like oh there's always a bigger fish in the sea dude that that's
0: like that's the unsettling thing like you just said your boy's out in a solo skiff i loved it yeah. up to that point then you're like yeah there could be a hammer handle or a <laughs> hammerhead that just bites that 150 pound snug in half Yeah, it's like what the fuck like i guarantee there are fish in they're bigger than a solo man skiff i i would put everything i own on it like that is so fucking sketchy and i think that's kind of what keeps me at bay of of saltwater fishing is super cool but i am completely okay if if i don't see a fish that fucking big Dude,
1: real quick quick update i've switched to tequila i'm drinking the expensive stuff fuck it We're talking. I'm drinking the expensive stuff. I busted it out. Um, Oh yeah, dude. Well, dude, as far as like the saltwater fishing thing, it's one of those things that once you get into it, you be it be you become so obsessed, yeah, that nothing is going to stop you. It's almost like you know, I almost equate it to the equivalent of me or anyone uh signing up for the armed services, where you know Mm -hmm. the inherent risk, but you just accept that the risk is worth it, like. Yeah, yeah. Going out might a hammerhead shark bite my hand off. Yeah, but <laughs> I I am so drawn to this, and I am I am so driven by this that I'm willing to go out by myself and and risk it. I that I don't care. Yeah. Dude. If a fucking shark bites my hand off, I'll have, have a hell of a story to tell my grandkids. You know what I mean? Yeah, dude. Uh, <laughs> <more>. <laughs> but. I landed that tarp. if if a shark bites my hand, that means I landed the fish. so mission accomplished right yeah. like, you just you get to a level of a, obsession with it that um is probably not seen in think. most most inland areas of the United States, oh, yeah, you know, I mean, any coastal area, you have to deal with sharks and other uh, dangerous sea life, right. yeah, but um, you know it's <laughs> It's one of those things, man. once you get into it, and especially growing up down here, you know, especially me, I have have the utmost respect for the wildlife, sharks, alligators. Mm-hmm. Um, Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I'm going to jump in the water with a shark because you will never catch me shark yeah. diving or <laughs> <you know>, headdump <laughs> shit. But, yeah. but I highly respect them. It's a healthy fear that you have to have. And, you know. I think if you start to if you start to break it down, what drives what drives someone like Pat uh, to go out by himself and land a hundred-pound tarpon in the shark-infested waters of the Bay of Miami uh, is that you become so en- engrossed with what mm-hmm. you're doing. The pro- and it's not just landing the fish; it's the process. It's the process by which you you figure out where they are and then what they want to eat and then how you're going to hook them and what rod you're going to use and what line you should have and how your drag should be set. And there's so much that goes into it that it becomes an obs- obsession and the, the, um, value of success, the value that you put on the success of that mission becomes greater than the risk of the dangers that are assumed by taking the mission. Does that make sense? Oh dude, yeah, hundred percent. I was I was that, picking so up what you, you were laying down. You you are you are so engrossed and so entrenched in doing what you're doing that the um the benefit of of doing it outweighs the potential negative repercussions of doing it. You know what I mean? So it's it's yeah. it's something that on the outside looking in, of course, for sitting in your in your house in Michigan thinking about, well, I would never stick my head in the water where there are sharks, Yeah, but I promise you that if you came down here for a week and we were on the water every day and Mm -hmm. you spent the hours on the bay in the dark trying to see a tarpon roll or to see a shrimp jump or to identify an area on the on the sonar of okay this the underwater elevation from here goes from four feet to 11 feet this is an area we should put you spend all that time and then when it all starts to come together and you realize okay they they really want the shrimp right now okay they don't really want they don't really want this color they want this color and you everything starts to come together and then you finally hook up on that fish i promise you adrian when that fish gets both side your hands are going in the water i promise you it's game time I'll bear claw that kind of bitch. There will not, you would not even think about the shark. Dude, I've had times where I'm fishing spillways, right? Up in like Port St. Lucie and Fort Pierce, which is not really Southeast Florida. It's kind of like that fringe between Southeast and Central Florida. I've had times where we've got to the spillways, and I'll always do a quick scan with my light. Because with the light, the alligator's eyes are reflective. And a quick scan will tell you where if there's alligators and if they are there, where they are, right? So yeah. I'll see the uh, alligators. We'll get to the spillway. We'll we'll, we'll identify. Okay, there's a couple of gators here. Let's be careful. And then next thing you know, you know, you're hooked up to a forty-inch snook, and without even thinking about it, I'm knees deep in the water. And it's not usually. It's like on the drive home, where I go to myself, "Oh shit!" When we rolled up, there was two alligators sitting there, and I didn't even think about the fact that they were. When I hooked that snook and it was time to land it, it didn't even cross my mind of the two alligators. You know? Right. Yeah. You just you get so in the zone and you're so focused that it just you don't. I don't know. Maybe it's reckless. Maybe it's I mean I'm not saying I'm not scanning for them because when I'm there in the water I'm looking for them but I'm saying that the impulse to get in the water to get the fish there was never a second thought. Once I'm in there I'm look I'm looking for them and my pr- my friend who's with me is also watching my back but that initial impulse never once was it like well I can't land this fish now cuz there's gators <laughs> you yeah. know so it just it it overtakes you man it's uh we have impulses that that drive us to do things that out of context people other people think is crazy. um but to us, down here in the style of fishing we do is not even it's not even a second thought. It's never even yeah. a consideration
0: that's so awesome. and to go like this is obviously not going to be nearly as epic as talking about alligators, sharks, and shit. but the magazine i don't know I don't know if you h- had seen the magazine I made. But uh, I I told a handful of guys at the beginning of the new year. I'm like, I want to do something cool. I'm gonna make a fucking magazine. I'm gonna make a swim bait magazine. And uh, a couple of the guys were like, that's super cool. But I'll tell you what, there was about three or four guys, not to name any names, they know who they are. Um, they were like, dude, that's the stupidest. Or not not the stupidest thing ever, but that's I I don't think that's gonna be a like a great idea. Well, however, they said it. And, uh, you know, I, I, kept to myself, I, 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 I made the whole thing and, uh, I didn't, I didn't tell anybody. Well, I told, I told my close people, I didn't tell the people that didn't think it was a good idea. And I didn't, I told him about a week before I got the actual magazine, I saved all 56 pages that I had edited and I sent it to him. And the guy says, holy shit, you actually did it. And I was like, yeah, I did it. And he messaged me yesterday and he's like, you know what? I'm glad I told you it was a bad idea, and I'm glad you you grabbed a beer and you sat down and you made this because this this is gonna be pretty damn sick. And I'm like, wow, that's Fuck fucking yeah, sweet.
1: Dude. Fuck yeah, so sick. You know, I'm gonna have,
0: you're gonna have to write an listen. article because you can write some fucking sick ass shit. I think.
1: <laughs> hey, listen, I'd I'd love to contribute for whatever you want, and you know, I love the podcast idea. I just love the open the open uh, exchange format. It's something I'd love to do. I we started one. Uh, we did one called the Savage Florida Podcast, me and uh, Spencer, on okay. Instagram, he's Un- Uncle Uncle Bing Chronicles. But we only did two, and I was doing it as a YouTube thing, and the filming and the editing. And I don't know, man. I just I I keep saying I want to do this stuff, and then I don't do it. So, um, I will. But yeah, as far as what you're you're saying with that thing, that that's great, man. And that's that's the attitude you have to have. You know, you have to. Um, there's always going to be people that tell you don't do this or don't do that or that you know what you're doing is stupid and (laughs) um it's but i see the parallel that you're making that when you instinctually want something that you're just gonna fucking do it exactly that's you should do that you should absolutely 100 of the time always do that and for anybody listening especially in the fishing community if you're trying to do something within the fishing community there's always for some reason, the fishing community is extremely toxic. Um, you know, and like bass guys get very like tribal about their baits and who they they pledge their allegiances to. And if you differ from that, or listen, if it's something you want to do and you feel passionate about it, you do it. And you don't listen. Don't listen to any of the naysayers, man. Because at the end of the day, they don't pay your bills, and they're not gonna help you or make a difference. So, if it's your passion, it makes you happy fucking do it.
0: Yeah, dude, exactly. And I think yeah. we we talked about before the recording about you doing the podcast and stuff. Like, dude, I if that's something you want to do, I will help you. I will promote it. Dude, I cuz like just talking now, like obviously the, my bass guys and and just swim bait guys in general, they're like, "Wow, this is like some crazy shit." But you've talked about how like there's not many other guys doing it. And I think yeah, capitalize on it and do something do some cool shit. Like I don't know. It's like the the possibilities for ideas are absolutely endless. Like if if I could if I could write down all the fucking harebrained ideas I have about stuff like throughout <laughs> the day, like business ideas, like yeah. it's absolutely crazy. Dude, you could I don't know what, what the area you fish is like, but like I mean, you could have, you could have like meetups where you go and and clean the canal and have a cookout and you do a big ass round table with a bunch of random guests and you guys can go out and fish, like, and have like a little tournament that night. Like you could just Hell do yeah. some awesome shit, dude. Like, it's so cool to think about the endless amount of stuff that, that when you like put your mind to it and like, you just, you just give it just the little, littlest of, of priority and and you kind of sleep on ideas like what, what it can happen and what it can grow into. It's just, it's wild.
1: Why, why don't we do like a scales and tail self? So
0: <clears throat> that's honestly, that's a thing that I'm going to do this year. I haven't gotten to get into it because of the magazine. It's called, uh, it's called S and shops and what it was going to be or what it is essentially is I was just going to travel around. So it was going to be like MTV Cribs, but I was going to go like hang out with Bait Builders and record like a two, three minute, like retro 2000s MTV Cribs style video of them like pouring baits and like having interviews. And then we were going to record a podcast episode, host a meetup, and then just fish. And so I have one. I want to do one in Minnesota, one in New Hampshire. Oh, no, not, 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 not shops, South. No, no, I I know what you were saying, but I was just gonna oh, like okay, go, okay, okay. go hang out with guys. Like that's just what it was called. Like it was called like the S and T Shops tour, like kind of kind of like a spinoff of Cribs. And dude, I would be I would be down to come down to Florida and do that. That would be so sick. Dude, that'd, Have, be, like, a, that'd be shit. awesome.
1: That'd be awesome. And you know I can definitely send some uh, some of my friends your way if you were if you're looking for other guys to uh, to talk to. But hey, I'm always down to come back.
0: <laughs> yeah, dude, for sure. It's I fun, think- man.
1: I've got. Sick. Listen, we we barely scratched the surface on on fucking crazy stories and shit that I've had happen down here in South Florida uh, while I'm out on the water. So, you know, That's I'm so always fun. down. Kind of,
0: kind of wrapping it up since we are getting. I I think a, fucking the two hour mark. Jeez, well, Pete's does not feel like two hours. I'm yeah. like, I've got like five IPAs and a twisted tea down. So it's kind of like that. Public Dude, Uber my man. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm I busted out the good tequila. So if you want to keep going, we keep going. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll keep going. Like you can get in super depth into this next thing. So, um, getting that, getting those production baits like the Shine Glide and stuff, or, or what, like the uh, the other, this what is it, the Savage Gear? What's that other glide they have? I can't think of it.
1: Uh, oh, there's a do. Shine Glider, which is like the bigger yep. profile, like the and then there's the Glide Slimmer, which is the longer, slimmer profile. And real okay. quick, real quick, before we before we continue with these, yeah. I just want to let people know that I in the time that I started throwing them for the um, for snook and tarpon i had i had a personal connection and a personal relation personal and professional relationship with the uh the guy who was actually designing baits over at savage gear that's so sick i i was letting him know real time that hey these baits are getting fucking destroyed dude um and so they actually he took that into consideration and the new glide baits from savage gear are a different design joint. So the actual joint in the 2022 and on um Savage Gear glide swimmers is completely redesigned for durability. So just want to put that out there.
0: That's so that's so awesome to hear that like you you chirped in this guy and and he was like oh shit like that's <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah. Um uh, and and uh, so yeah, going off of that I'm just honestly that kind of uh what's it called like ladders us into this next thing the hardware on some of these baits, like, do you switch them out? What do you, what do you, okay. So we'll start off with the hard two piece baits, like the the glide baits and stuff like that. Are you switching out hardware as far as hooks and rings or what's, what's kind of the, what's your go-to when you get a new bait?
1: All right. So the glide swimmer, which is the long slim profile, uh, glide bait from Savage, the hooks on those are Gucci. You're good. You don't have to do a thing. Um, but for whatever reason, the hooks that come on the shine glide are like 1x, they're flimsy. Um, and for what we do, they absolutely have to be changed out. Um, unless you get a fish to choke it, but not often are you going to get a fish to put a seven and a half inch bait all the way um, into its mouth, you know. So, yeah. which I have seen done. If you guys don't follow, look up Uncle Bank Chronicles on Instagram, he has a picture of the seven and a quarter inch shine glide like down the throat of a snook it was it was like a 44 inch snook it's disgusting um but the hardware on those on the shine gliders absolutely has to be changed out um i don't know why they do it that way and i have caught smaller snook on them but anytime i've hooked really bigger snook on those with the stock hooks um, even fishing with a lighter rod and reel combo with the intention of fishing a lighter game and playing the fish, I, I've got bent out. There's no, it's unavoidable. You have to upgrade.
0: Yeah. So what do you, what do you like to switch them out to?
1: So <laughs> it's funny because people ask me that a lot and I literally cannot sit here and tell you the exact hook. Cause what I do is I have so many old uh like I'm looking at my wall right now as we're I'm in my office sitting here doing this podcast and I have my I have my dry erase board and above my dry erase board I have a Snook Snacks ruler put pinned up on the wall and then next to that I have like four glide baits hanging up that have no tails on them cuz I broke them off right so <laughs> yeah. I'll repurpose I'll repurpose my old hooks from my old broken glide baits to put them on the new ones so okay I, I, I don't know what they are. I just know that those are the good ones and I put them mm-hmm. onto the base that need them.
0: Right. Yeah. Damn. So <clears throat> what about, is it, what's your usual hook for like the line through? So like the pulse gill and, and the trout and stuff, what do you have a certain hook you like better because it's more stout or cause it's got a, maybe a shorter barb or does it not really matter? Just whatever you got that, that fits. Yeah, that I, I take
1: whatever the, whatever's the one that comes out of the pulse tail mullet is that I just use that, like, because I have so many. I I haven't got to a situation where I was like, oh, darn, I don't have any hooks left. <laughs> you know, right. yeah. I have so many folks on mullets and so many glide baits on hand that I always have old ones. Um, But I will tell you this much. My partner, Vince, by the way, if you guys don't follow him on, on Instagram, Vince Brenning, it's V-B-R-E-U-N-I-N-G. The guy's an absolute hammer, and he's a big time bass guy. He crushes big bass, but he uh, Vince is a feast and famine guy. Like he'll be like two weeks with like, God damn it! I haven't caught a fish, and he'll <laughs> be like, he'll be mad, and then next thing you know, he catches a forty four. You know, oh my gosh, like he's yeah. like he's like that guy. Like he doesn't catch small fish. He when he catches fish, they're huge. Um, but he uses the BKK One X or God dang it! What is it? BKK came out with these new hooks, and he was using them on the Savage Gear 3D Bluegill, the one I spoke to you about earlier, the six inch yep. uh, yep. line through, and he was replacing the hooks from that with the BKK. I'd ha- Dude, I'd have to look it up, but I finally met up with Vince, and he gave me one, and it was so small, and I'm like, this is what you're using to catch these giant snook. Because there was a point in like, it was like after spillway season was technically supposed to be over. And Vince was hammering on the 3D gill. And I think he went, at one point, he went like three days in a row every day catching a 40-inch snook in daylight, which is unheard of. We usually fish at night. He was just going like in the morning, you know, wake up, have some coffee, go catch a 40, come home, like go to work. Like it was nothing. And uh, he was using these these BKK uh i think they're like a 2x treble and apparently they're just super sticky everything i don't think he missed any fish um in that three or four day span every hit he got translated into a a fish on the board
0: that's that's wild (laughs) holy crap
1: yeah and and the, the quality of fish i mean if you go to his, do you follow vince uh, give me one you, here.
0: What'd you say his thing was? C- 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 uh, Chronicles, mm-hmm. I think you said.
1: No, no, that's that's Spencer Vince's oh, okay. V V V B R E U N I N G.
0: Let us see here. Uh, hold on here. Oh my gosh. I'm I'm intoxicated. Uh.
1: Right. <laughs> Jesus, dude, you good? I think I am too, yeah. though, I'm already—I poured my second tequila already. <laughs> this stuff Whoa. is really good. And if anyone out there is tequila connoisseur, look up Chimucos. chamucos, C H A M U C O S, chamucos extra añejo. It, bro, this shit is so good. You can actually see the little pieces of agave floating around in there. Really? Yeah. That's sick. But yeah. <laughs> v B R E U n-i-n-g
0: v-b-r oh there we go i just went on your followers and googled them yeah oh my gosh this guy's on him holy crap
1: yeah you see these fishy like
0: oh my gosh
1: all he catches is giant snook and giant bass i'd like i don't understand it the one he just (laughs) this one he posted today of the bass he just caught that like two days ago look at that thing
0: yeah dude on that or is that a Bladed jig, yeah. Oh my gosh, dude, that thing is absolutely massive.
1: It's unreal. Holy, and shit. these are all in the Port St. Lucie area. Of dude, that one that he
0: posted, the one that he posted a couple weeks ago, like February 20th, that's a big ass fish, too. <laughs> and he's repping the Snook Snacks hat,
1: <clears throat> yes. Yep, it's so yeah. Super. We just got those hats in. If you guys want to get some uh, some merch, we have uh, hats and shirts, so.
0: Hell yeah, dude! I will. Uh, I'll, I'll link all your stuff in the description so people can check you out and uh, pick stuff up from that. <clears throat> oh my gosh,
1: dude! I'm so like I cannot wait for spillway season. I don't know if you could do it, but if you can, uh, if you can make your way down here in the summertime when the spillways start going off, uh-huh. we'll I'll show you what it's all about, man. And you'll yeah, oh check this out. His post. Let's see from October twenty fourth. Uh, are you able to get down to that it's it's a collab post yeah. with snacks um uh,
0: hold on I'm, I'm looking through oh that snook yeah. with the uh, 3d tri- or 3d gill
1: yeah in oh, the yeah. video you get a good shot at that bkk hook that i was talking about
0: which which post or what day did you say it was the 24th
1: october 24th
0: oh my gosh dude that little thing looks dangerous
1: <laughs> so that little hook he actually, mm-hmm. uh, a few days before that, he hooked a like a rogue tarpon in the spillway. That's what I'm telling you about Florida. You just never know. He's at the spillway, like you know, ten fifteen miles inshore. He hooks like a hundred pound tarpon on a go. on the three D bluegill, um, on that bait. <laughs> like it's just, dude, that's it's wild. Oh, it's wild down here. And I guess I never really knew. <clears throat> I never really knew or appreciated uh, how different it was down here until probably the last few years, you know, but I I've had, I've had times where I've gone out and I've hooked into like random, I have things that I still don't know what happened, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Where That's something, so- something grabbed my bait and ran and I never saw it and it just peeled the drag on like Alexa 400. With eighty pound braid and I it never stopped and I don't know what it was.
0: So wild, dude. And uh I wanna say uh Jared Holms. I think that's how you say his name. Uh him and I were talking today, he, he had ordered some stickers, and I sent him out and I was just messaging him saying that they were just getting out today. He was like, You should get a sticker with your quote on it and I thought he was meaning like my intro or I'm like welcome back to your favorite swim Bay podcast. He said no. He said quotes Dude, that's so sick. And now that you said that, I've been very self-conscious this whole episode while I'm saying it. But it's very hard right. to hold back from saying it this episode because this is just shit that I've never heard of and I think it's so fucking cool.
1: No, you <laughs> should get it. You should get like a I don't know. You should get like a sticker with a with a profile of like a, a bass eating a glide bait that just says so sick. That'd be shit. I like that. You know uh, what? That 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 is so sick, dude. That, dude Wait, that's so fucking
0: sick. Who's Jared Holmes? <laughs> I'm trying to look him up. Uh, it's, it's a guy on Facebook. <clears throat> I don't even. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, th- now the next question after the gear that I had, what, uh, what's, so we kind of, we touched on the line after, after we kind of, uh, stood on our soapboxes boxes about fishing braid. Um, <laughs> what's like, what's your setups that you're fishing, you're fishing your baits on? Or like, I guess like when you go out, what are the rides that you're taking with, whether it's for, you know, soft swim baits, glide baits, or even just like paddle tails and stuff. What are your go-to's?
1: Um I pretty much always have the last couple of years, i have been fishing Daiwa Lexas uh Daiwa Lexa 400. I can't I can't do the 300. I don't know why. I don't like the smaller ones, but um I do the 400 Lexa and right now I'm fishing on a Bushido 30 to 50. And um bro, are you kidding me? So I, as we're sitting here and I'm I'm telling you this I get a message from my business partner of him holding up a fucking giant snook, Vince, the no, one we were we just need talking to about dance
0: right now. You need to, well, no, you've been drinking. He's well. a
1: fish. bro. All my boys are out right now catching 150 pound tarpon and 40 inch snook. Fuck,
0: <laughs> man. We so so funny I, enough, guys.
1: I gotta stop I'm, looking. At, I gotta get away from my computer. Um, funny enough, we were we were we're
0: recording this on Thursday. Or no, no. What day is it? Fuck, dude, I'm so confused on what day it is. Wednesday, March first. We originally were going to record it yesterday, and it sounds like we should have recorded it yesterday because today, uh, today Kevin is missing out on some absolutely stud fishing by the sounds of it.
1: Um, all right, I'm sorry. Take me back. What were we talking about?
0: No, you're good, man. Uh, oh, the, the
1: setup. Yeah, yeah. I, so I have a uh, Die Alexa 400, which is my go-to for my big swim baits, and I have it on a. A custom from South Fork Rods. South Fork is based in uh, in uh, East Coast, Florida, Stewart, uh, Port St. Lucie area. The guy's name is Brad, okay. and he is uh, the son of uh, Reddington Rods. I don't oh, remember his dad's, name, his dad's name off the top of my head. So okay. his dad is the founder of Reddington Rods. Are you familiar with them?
0: Yeah, yeah, like the fly rods and stuff and the reels and yeah. stuff.
1: Yep, yep. So he's he his name is Brad Reddington, and his dad uh, is, you know, the Reddington Rods guy. And Brad, you know, he's doing his own thing with South Fork Rods. So Brad Reddington um, built me a hell of a custom, 8.6 uh, Bushido, 30 to 50 pound, and it, it's awesome. It's been a great rod. Uh, it's built well, plenty of big fish, and uh, it throws the big swim baits really, really well. So that's what I throw for my big bait casting setup. Um, and then for my uh, my spinning setup, I have a Daiwa BG 5000 mm-hmm. um, on a Savage Gear Squad Coastal Rod, which is the reel's a little big. I'm probably going to end up going with a smaller reel for that. Uh, but what what I for what I've been doing during the winter with the big tarpon, it's it's been the move because when when it comes to the big tarpon, you don't want it's not about like power. It's about line capacity, you know? So yeah. if, you, if you get to a point with tar like with Snook or with Muskie or with Pike and with Bass, you can always have – you can always be outpower them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You can always outpower them. You can always go heavier line, and you can whoop them, and you can bring them in real quick if you want. With Tarpon, they get to a size that – that's not an option. You're you're at their mercy, right? So instead of going up in line uh, line rating, you start going back down, right? So yeah. if you're targeting tarpon that are like 30 to 50 pounds, you can go up in line rating because you're gonna be able to whoop them and horse them in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, when you start targeting tarpon that are over 100 pounds, you have to go down in the line rating. So you might go from 65 pound braid to 40 pound braid. Because you need the capacity, because they're going to go on long runs. And you need the line capacity to allow them to go on those long runs. Um, Yeah. And the heavier the line you have, the less you can put on your spool, which I'm sure a lot of your listeners know that, but for anyone who doesn't quite understand diameter and capacity and stuff, um, the heavier the line, the less you can have on your spool. So you might say, oh, I'm going to go target huge tarpon. I'm going to put on 100-pound braid and 200-pound leader. And, uh, but it turns out that you can only put 100 yards of that 100 pound braid on your line. And 150 pound tarpon does not give one singular fuck how many pounds of drag your reel has. So <laughs> he's going to go wherever the fuck he wants to go. And you have to let him go. And if you don't have the line capacity, you're going to get spooled and broken off and humbled very quickly. So, um, what I have right now is a Five thousand uh, Daiwa BG with about four hundred yards of forty pound braid on it uh, on an eight foot rod that I use right now. I'm throwing it with eighty pound leader. Um, you know, and the idea is uh, is when you I hook up on that rod, it's you're in for a fight. You're in for a battle that's gonna last a while. Yeah. Damn. And then I I do like to keep a smaller. Um, I like to keep a smaller baitcasting setup. Like right now, what I have is a what is this? It's a Revo. So it's an Abu Garcia. I actually have to look at it. I think it's a Revo. It's like a Revo Four. It's like a two hundred size reel. Okay. A oh Revo Beast X.
0: Oh okay, yeah yeah.
1: On like a Savage Gear swim bait a BattleTech swim bait rod. And that's like my mid-size, um, or my my mid-size baitcasting setup, and I'll use that for snook, bass, um, snakeheads, and stuff like that. Dude, you just you just said the magical word. I
0: don't know if you've listened to the podcast enough to. So you guys have snakehead, and we have the northern version, which is like a a bowfin dogfish. Are Are you familiar with the with the animal, with the fish? I should say.
1: Yeah, you got you guys have those uh, those like bluish snakeheads. We have bullseye snakeheads. So
0: it's it's kind of like a snakehead, but they're taller. Ours aren't as skinny, and and like an, an eleven pounder is like like big. Like I think the Michigan State record is twelve pounds. And wait, what are they called? Dogfish. They're called uh, if you're on your computer, look up bowfin or dogfish, whichever one. Uh, bowfin is kind of like the technical name, but I know it's like a saltwater oh. fish
1: too. Bowfin? No, we have bowfins.
0: Like, like the freshwater ones, that like, turn like green when they spawn.
1: Yeah, I have, I have, uh, I have a spot actually out here by the Everglades. It's like infested with them, and you can. Oh.
0: My gosh, dude! I am buying my ticket right now, and we're going there. Dogfish are single-handedly my Wait, top choice be North America's new game predator fish. Those fish are so fun to catch. I love it. I love it.
1: It's so much Is I have to Google it now, is dogfish the same as bowfin?
0: So it's it's hard because I talk about bowfin and guys are like, oh yeah, the saltwater fish. I'm like, no, we have like a freshwater oh, fish.
1: It is, it is, bro. Oh, okay. I have this listen, to this, listen to this. I have this spot that's like way out west on the fringe of the Everglades, right? Okay. It's literally like a little tiny pond, a landlocked yeah. pond. Yeah, that is I infested it. with infested with them. If you go and you throw a paddle tail and you just bounce it off the bottom, like you let it hit the bottom and you go crank, 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 okay. stop. Yeah. Crank, 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 stop, you'll catch you'll catch a 10-pounder if you stay there long enough. Dude, they are by far
0: this is this is like this is my thing. This is my niche hobby, is I get super drunk on the podcast and I stand in my soapbox and I talk about how badass these fish are because well, both are so-
1: all the time, right? <laughs>
0: What'd you say? And then you talk about both ends. Yes, That's dude. hilarious, I, dude. Yeah. it's like because we don't have snakehead, and I wish we did. Which, okay, I'm gonna say I wish we did. I don't mean for like the echo
1: or like the uh, like the ecologists hard, out there that I'm like they're invasive yeah. and they'll hurt the natural populations. Yeah, I get you. Yeah. But I just, I just want to
0: experience a snakehead because dogfish are super cool. I have a spot like you were describing. It's probably like. Uh, like a 60 acre pond, not pond. It's connected to like a lake that connects to the big lake. Anyway, they all push in here to spawn. It's about three feet deep at its, at its deepest point. And there's like, there's like sometimes later in the spring, there's like floating, floating uh, weed masses. And like when they're spawning, you see these fish, their position, they're facing deeper, like into the deeper water or facing right towards the bank, like literally staring you down. Like you described that bass was doing and you, you flip a, like a, a, a unique scout, which is like a paddle tail, or you skip a jig or a Senko or a fluke or dude it. You could, you could put a hook on a banana and these fish would eat it and you just eat you it. Just, Has them. You just sit it right there. You see, I'm I'm sure snakehead are the same way. You just see their fins that wrap around their body. It starts going crazy. And you're like, oh shit. And dogfish have super bad eyesight. So like they'll hit your bait, dude. Like you were talking about how a snuggle thump it, a dogfish will do the same thing. They'll, they'll headbutt that thing. And they think they have it in their mouth. So they'll start to shake and they don't, they circle back around (laughs) and they, and then they get the bait and you're waiting there, dude. And it's, it's, it's a, it's a patience game because it'll bite.
1: And the, you just the want to cool, the hook
0: right away, but you
1: can't. The cool thing about snakeheads is they're they're like all top water. It's all top water fishing, which is, like I said earlier in the pod, that I mean top water is clearly the most fun type of fishing, right? Like you get to see the blow up, you see them hit the bait. It's so fun. Um, and all snakehead fishing is all you have to do is run your lure right along the bank, and on top water like a paddle tail frog or something. Did you see the thing I just sent you?
0: Uh, hold one second. I was sending you uh, a cast to catch yep, the dogfish on a, on a oh. tiny flash. <laughs> uh, oh, my gosh. Yep. Is this the spot you were talking about?
1: That's not dude, the funny thing is. So, guys, what, what he's looking at right now is a video of a giant um, dogfish swimming down the bank in like four inches of water here in South Florida. And that is not even the spot I was talking about. You want to know where that was? You want to hear the crazy fucking thing about South Florida? That video I just sent you was filmed on the saltwater side of a spillway in Fort Lauderdale. No shit, dude. Yes, yes. What the hell? Yes. Like, our fishery is insane. Like, you can literally be in a, on the saltwater side of a spillway and see a giant bowfin just swimming down the canal. Dude, so what
0: people don't understand is bowfin and dogfish are some hardy fucking fish.
1: Oh, here we go. Here we go. Hold on. Look at look at your message. I'm going to send it. I finally found it. There we go.
0: Like you can hold them out of water and they'll fucking swim away. Yes, dude. That's the shit that I'm into right there.
1: <laughs> I'm into that right there. Yes. Dude, I yeah, just... That's, uh... You, dude, you can go and catch those at will. I have a spot. It's like, if crazy. you watch
0: those two videos I sent you, one was on a DRT tiny clash, and then the other one was on uh, on just a normal fluke. And it is just such a blast, dude. Like, catching them on swim baits, super fun, kind of hard. They miss hooks, but just catching them in general, it's just, it's it's unmatched. Like, I've yet oh, to meet Lord, a fish. Look
1: at, look at that fight you're having with this one.
0: Yeah, dude. Wow.
1: Oh. That thing was going ham. That was a big fish. It is such a
0: blast. And like, I've caught them on jigs and like, there's a point where, where you watch this fish eat the bait, whether whatever it is, whether it's a jig hook softy or, or like a normal jig and you reel down, dude, you reel until you can feel its teeth scraping across your line. And you, you, you bend at the knees, you reel just a little bit more, you you get ready to arch your back. And you just, you do a, uh, (laughs) I'm trying to think what's the tennis player's name. Uh, a Serena Williams grunt while you set the hook, dude, and that fish yeah. just does not move, and it just looks at you and flips you off and just freaks out. Like it is so much Bro, fun.
1: Sp- speaking of that, I know I know that you're mostly speaking like metaphorically, right? Yeah. About the fish not moving. We were out fishing in Miami like two weeks ago, and we were getting—I was getting hit by tarpon on the uh, on that shrimp, the Savage Gear shrimp mm-hmm. that we have at SnookSnacks.com. Um the Savage Gear shrimp. And these fish, bro, I'm not exaggerating when I tell you they were so big I would feel the hit right and I would set the hook and then nothing. And I'm I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, okay, I'm snagged on a rock or I'm on the bottom or I'm on debris or something. And after three or four seconds of like trying to pull my hook free, it just starts going (laughs) like fish down there in Miami in january and february uh during the shrimp run are so big these are the migratory tarpon guys that are you know they migrate from the carolinas down through miami to go around the southern tip of florida and then they go up the west coast and the, that's when you start seeing the world-class tarpon fishing in boca grande and tampa bay and stuff well uh january february is in miami and some of them literally so big that you set the hook they don't even know that they're hooked that's oh my gosh, dude. That's dude like, look at you with the big bowfin. I'm just looking at your picture now. <laughs> it's
0: such a blast. It is so much fun. My buddy actually came up for my twenty first birthday from Virginia, and uh, we went out and fished. and he he missed a couple, but like that day wasn't terribly great. It was kind of later in the summer, so they kind of moved out. But, like, dude, I don't know. They're like such an awesome and unique fish, especially for our area. And you guys have Snakehead and stuff, which is super cool. And I, I would just love it because I like I like these super odd off-the-wall fish that I can catch and just fight super hard. But my big question for you is you said you don't you don't necessarily like to keep fish. Have you ever tried Snakehead? And before, like if you if you never have and you think it's a super weird idea,
1: I want to share an experience with you I've had, but I, I want to hear your answer first. Uh first of all, I have tried Snakehead. And I feel a lot less guilty about eating snakehead because they are invasive. Yep, okay, um, yep. And I've I've personally watched the spread of snakeheads into the South Florida ecosystem over the course of the last 10 years. Um. And so I feel a lot less guilt about eating them. I feel a lot of guilt about eating snook because they are protected. Right. Yeah, they're a protected yeah. species. They're heavily overfished because they are by far the most prized game fish in Florida. And then, when season does open, what you get is you see a lot of people on social media um, throat popping snook and bleeding them out and keeping four, five, six at night. And um, I don't know. I just, I just, there's something about snook that I just, I love too much to kill them. But with that being said, I have eaten snakehead and they are delicious.
0: Yes, dude. The pictures I've seen and the guys I've talked to say it's super white, flaky meat. White flake, yes. And I, this is going to be super weird, but there is a deep part of me that's like, okay, a dogfish is kind of like a snakehead. Like, I, I just want
1: to... Just eat wanna, it, dude. Let's see what it tastes like. Let's go. Dude,
0: exactly. I'm I'm all for testing. I'm all for being a myth buster. And it's like, if they're good, <laughs> they're good. Like, there's all they're test- there to it. Some people don't think crappie are good or like walleye or perch are good, which is whatever. But I've never heard anybody trying to dogfish. And people are going to be like, this kid's fucking crazy or he's way too drunk right now. But it's like, if... A, it would make sense, I feel like. Like, they're they're kind of the same fish. They have the same feeding patterns as far as, like, what they eat and how they go about stuff. Like, it's got to be at least halfway decent. Or it's absolutely ass-terrible. Who knows? I don't know. We're going to find out at some point in time, I mean, though.
1: we can find out, bro. I have a spot. I can go catch one, like, tomorrow if I really want to.
0: I, I just feel like they got to be a decent fish. Like, I don't know. What, what warrants a good tasting fish from a non good tasting fish, like what, what their diet consists of and, and how they live, I guess, like if they're a bottom feeder or I don't know.
1: I mean, I, I, I I see what you're saying that uh, physiologically and structurally, like they are very similar to a snakehead, long profile, big head kind of. Yeah. Like I get what you're saying, but maybe, maybe what they eat plays into it. What is, what do both ends eat? Aren't
0: they bottom I, feeders? I, I, so I've I've caught them bouncing jigs on bottom, which is whatever. I I know a lot of guys who have caught them on frogs in the same place I fish, and I've also caught them in twelve feet of water fishing an underspin uh, battle shad that's like a six inch bait, and they come up they come up uh you know six feet off bottom and eat that. Like so, I guess you can't really pin it down to being a bottom feeder or chasing stuff down because they're an opt like an opportunistic feeder as well. Like they're going to eat a crawdad or whatever some's past them or, you know, a mud minnow or whatever. Like there's only one way to figure this out. Whoever figures it out, they're going to have to inform me on, on what, what the findings are.
1: Dude, we, we can set it up, man. We, we can make a, uh, uh, a, a uh, podcast slash YouTube video of catch to cook both in <laughs> and see cook- how it tastes. <laughs> Yo, you oh wanna you wanna see something wild, dude? Yeah. So I was going through my through my old pictures to send you uh, snakehead pictures, and I came across this one. I caught this snakehead on a top head frog or on a, a topwater frog, sorry, tequila talking. Topwater frog. And after I caught it, it regurgitated something. You know how fish will regurgitate recent meals after they've been yeah, caught yeah. and stressed out? Guess yeah. what it regurgitated? A
0: turtle, baby turtle.
1: No, a a smaller snakehead. Check this no out. Shit. Sending it to you right now.
0: Dude, that's that's
1: oh my gosh.
0: Nature is so metal and I love it.
1: So metal, right? <laughs>
0: dude,
1: what the hell? Oh my god. Like this thing was just swimming around eating its babies, I guess. I don't know. But and they are like, they they're absolute sa- savages, dude. They really are.
0: I want to I know you guys hear me talk about the dogfish, and you guys probably think, oh, it's because he's drunk and he just has some weird fascination about catching dogfish, but I will say, I've done my homework on dogfish. That might be intriguing to some of you guys who think, I mean, (laughs) literate, but um, I don't know if it's the same as with snakehead, but dogfish, when they spawn, they get, like, the male and the female get in these super tight balls, like, you'll find them in, like, muck balls almost, and what it is, is the female plants the eggs in the male's mouth.
1: I don't know That's what hot. other fish do it, That's or snakehead do that.
0: Does that <laughs> happen with snakehead?
1: I I have no idea. I can't. I don't think I can reply to that in a mature fashion. I don't know if I can. <laughs> I'm about to call my <laughs> fiance. <laughs> oh, right. The
0: male, know. the male carries around know. the eggs until hatching. <laughs> oh,
1: I man. I don't know. Is that really? What are they like? Is that like a seahorse type of thing where the males there's, like? There's,
0: hold on there's a name for it hold on i'm gonna google this because uh dogfish what would it be dogfish spawning method i guess is what we'll go yeah Dude,
1: dogfish to, spawning method
0: i need to have somebody on uh on the podcast who can who can look this shit up while we're while we're up, right. uh patterns uh fish oh. <clears throat> on, I, should, I should type in both and not dogfish uh bowfin. May okay, here we go. Wait. Females multiple nests.
1: I'm looking oh, it up now.
0: Oh, maybe maybe that is complete horse shit. Male bowfins create nests by clearing out the vegetation and silt with their mouths and fins. Okay, okay. They work to create clean beds of rootless sand or gravel for the eggs to attach to within the spawning area. Females usually lay eggs in multiple nests, and some males have multiple females visit their nests. Uh, wait, how do both
1: reproduce? That's what. The, yeah, that's what I got too. I got both in spawn. Uh, males construct nests in shallow water by fanning their fins. They will use their mouths to bite and clear debris.
0: Oh well, this kid might. Maybe I interpreted it wrong from what this guy had told me. But I was like, I was like, that's like super intriguing. I don't understand how much sense that makes, but
1: well. Hey, Nature so, shit. So, listen, if you have to delete that part out of the podcast, I totally understand. Nah, oh, dude, well cool. I'll wear it on the sleeve. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but shit, man. I'm trying to think uh, of anything else that dude. This was like a, a podcast of rabbit
1: holes. We we went
0: down some epic
1: shit. <laughs> did we hit everything that you originally sent me in that in that list?
0: Uh I guess the last question quote closing it out. Any tips or tricks for folks who who want to go out and try to catch snook on swim baits if they're down there on vacation or if they live around the area? How can what are some tips and tricks that you've learned that that kind of would help somebody beginning? Um, I think, or just, just maybe maybe like three three general rules or
1: three good tips. So the thing with snook fishing is like you get a lot of people that are almost everyone has background in backfish bass fishing, right? Yeah, because. Like, anyone can go catch a bass. Sorry, bass guys. But anyone can go catch a bass. Um, so you have a lot of people that have background in bass fishing. And I think um, the number one thing that I would tell people when it comes to snook fishing is be persistent. Because too many people go out and they go fishing for, like, a couple of days and they're like, I'm not catching anything. What can I do? And what you can do is be more persistent. Keep going. Keep going. Observe your environment. See what it looks like. Because we all go through periods where, and I'm sure, tell me if I'm wrong, but I'm sure, Adrian, that you go through this too. We all go through periods where, like, we're not catching fish. Oh, yeah. Or yeah. we're not getting... And we're not getting bites and you start to question yourself and you start to go like, you know, fishing is a game of highs and lows, man. And you, you start to feel like, damn, maybe I really don't know shit, you know? Um, And I think that some people will come into trying to snook fish and they just end up coming in at a period of a low and you got to stick it out, man. Eventually, the period of the high is going to come, um, and you can't expect to learn overnight. You have the the only way to learn how to catch any type of fish um, is to put in a lot of time
0: and yep, dedication,
1: yeah. and to be observant, and to uh, learn every time that you're on the water. You know. Uh we were having a talk about this the last time that I was I was out on the water in Biscayne Bay with with my buddy who just caught the 150 pounder. He's a very smart guy. He's actually a plastic surgeon, which was blew my mind when I fa- I found that out after becoming friends with him. Um <laughs> he's a plastic surgeon. So he's an extremely intelligent guy. And uh, we were out on the bay. He's from West Palm Beach, I'm from Fort Lauderdale. So we're not really Miami experts. And in one night, uh, it took us about 7 hours but we just drove around on his boat in the bay. And we figured it out, and you know, after we caught the fish, we we sat there on the boat and we had a little a little period of kind of reflection. And we discussed the the beauty of of fishing is, is the process, uh, and it's not catching the fish. You know, catching the fish is fun, but the beauty of it and what we really love about it is the process, um, and So my advice for anyone trying to catch snook is decide what modality you want to use, whether that's a spinning setup with a small bait or a bait casting setup with a big swim bait and stick to it. Stick to the process, go out, be consistent, um, make notes of things, mental notes, or some people make physical notes. Like if you get a hit, you can go back to the time of the hit and you can write down, um what time of day it was what was the moon cycle um what was the barometric pressure and you can start making notes on these things and collecting data if you want to do it that way know plenty of people that do that um for me i've always been someone who fishes by feel i just kind of go out and i just i'm just on the water and i have i almost get like gut feelings of like okay i should go this time and i just i don't know it usually works out (laughs) you know um yeah be, for people that are getting into it, be persistent. Don't give up. Um, and once you do catch that first one, which in the beginning I know it feels impossible, because especially with snook fishing, like I said, they're like ghosts, dude. You feel like you're never going to catch one. You start questioning, like you're like, are do they exist? Are they here? Yeah. But when you finally catch one, it's like you open the floodgates, and then all of a sudden you catch another one, and then you catch another one, and then you catch another one. And you're, and you realize like, oh shit, okay, I'm starting to figure it out. So, <laughs> be yeah, persistent, dude. be stubbornly persistent, just like you with people telling you not to make a magazine because it's stupid, and people telling you to, you know, you're not going to catch fish because you're you're not going to catch snook because you're doing it the wrong way or whatever. Just fucking stick to your guns and and be persistent.
0: Yeah, dude, for sure. I, uh, I don't know. I I think I've said everything that I've i've wanted to say on this show i'm gonna listen to this i'm gonna listen to this like tomorrow dude Be like holy shit we we're fucking we we're hitting some
1: deep notes there <laughs> we went down the rabbit hole dude i hope so i hope i didn't go too far i hope i didn't go too deep or too uh out of the realm of what you know your listeners are trying to want to hear on the podcast you know
0: i think i think this is the longest podcast uh <laughs> it, dude it's
1: ten thirty right now it's like three hours
0: yeah, it's got be, to gotta be right at three hours. So we started, we started recording at uh, 7.54 and we recorded for 50 minutes. And we started this recording at 7.47. So yeah, we're, <laughs> we're real close, like two hours and 50 minutes type thing. But uh,
1: closing it's it down, awesome,
0: yeah, what are, what are the socials? Wow, where can people buy baits? Where can people find you on Instagram? Plug it all.
1: Um guys, my personal Instagram is Canal Cowboy. That's canal underscore cowboy. My business, uh, where you can find all the baits that I use and the baits I've been talking about is at snooksnacks.com. Our Instagram is Snook underscore snacks. Um you can find me as Canal Cowboy on YouTube. We pretty much have all the socials, but the main is Instagram. Um we're yeah. on we're on YouTube and uh, you can also find Snooksnacks on TikTok, but I have my feelings about TikTok. <laughs> That's for another podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, we're pretty much on all the socials. If you just search Canal Cowboy or Snooksnacks, you will find me or the business in some shape or form. And guys, listen, I'm I'm for the people. Like if you have questions or you need help, shoot me a message. Like, we're not one of these brands that you know they don't repost you or they don't reply to your messages or whatever. If you guys have any concerns or whatever, shoot a direct message to either Snook Snacks or Canal Cowboy. Um, if you're catching stuff on our baits or baits that we sell, even if you didn't buy them from us, tag Snooksnacks, We'll repost you. Um, we're all about the community and, and getting in touch with people on, on boots on ground at at the level of people that are actually out there on the water. So that's what we're all about.
0: That's so awesome, dude. And like always, I will link all Kevin's stuff in the description so you guys can follow it. Uh, go buy some stuff if you guys are interested in anything. If you're taking a trip and you want to maybe buy a bait or two that you, you heard in the show, you guys can head over to snooksnack.com and you go grab yourself some some goodies. Uh, trying to think here. Uh, when you guys are hearing this, I'm I'm very sure probably all the magazines will be sold out. But while you're also hearing this, I should have more on the way if you guys are interested about that. So keep your eye out on another magazine drop. It'll be the same thing, Zine. Magazine Drop, I guess, not magazine. So, Magazine Drop, uh, the March giveaway sticker with Fall 74, Mr. Jared Keenan. We're doing five bait wraps with uh, the Scales and Tails logo on them. We'll be giving those away. I'm pretty sure I'm going to do five different winners. So, if you if you get some stickers, you have a good chance of winning. And I'm trying to think, dude. I always, I need to, like, write myself a little note here. Uh, if you guys don't already, make sure you guys follow the podcast, Scales and Tails, underscore podcast on Instagram. Also. Make sure you guys rate the podcast on your favorite listening platform. helps uh, Helps get the show out there to some new guys who are just scrolling through on the on the Spotify or on the Apple Podcast. I think it pops up in the recommended. Also, if you guys are interested in uh, in supporting the show, getting some behind the scenes stuff while also being uh, subscribed to the stickers, make sure you check out the Patreon. It's ten dollars a month, and that also going forward. Uh, I don't know if if I'll post about it before this is out. The Patreon ten dollars a month is also going to be the magazine subscription. <clears throat> so for ten dollars a month, you'll automatically get entered into you'll automatically get a monthly sticker, plus you'll get to see all the behind the scenes stuff. And every third month, so after thirty dollars, you'll automatically get uh, the magazine because the magazine will drop every three months. So more or less, you can look at it. so you're paying you're pretty much paying a firm to get the magazine for $10 a month on top of getting $18 and free stickers throughout those three months and getting to see all the behind the scenes stuff. And, and, uh, actually the Patreon guys get first dibs on the magazine. I think I sold 11 or 12 magazines just to the guys on Patreon. So they got first dibs, uh, this drop and, uh, moving forward. That's well moving forward. That's not how it'll be because it'll be subscription. But anyway, you guys will automatically get one if you're on the Patreon, because that's the subscription service. But, uh, anyway, I think I've rambled on enough. I, I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode because this episode was a blast to record. I didn't expect it was going to go this long, but I I am glad it went this long because I got some stuff off my chest. Talking with a guy who not non-affiliated with the largemouth swimbait bass fishing community,
1: I got to see eye to eye with somebody who wasn't going to crucify me <laughs> at all. Me. <laughs> at all, I'm totally disassociated like from that. <laughs> it's so funny because we're such we're so parallel but so disconnected.
0: Yeah, we're we're only separated by about 2000 miles, but our brains are inches apart. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but uh, Dude, I want to thank is, Kevin for
0: coming on. This is awesome. Okay. Yeah. I will uh I'll link all your stuff in the description so people can follow you and check out the website and stuff. And yeah, make sure you guys follow him on Instagram because he posts some some uh quote-unquote crazy stuff for for what the listeners and what the followers are used to seeing you guys will see a nice change up of uh, of largemouth smallmouth and pike to snook tarpon snakehead and a bunch of other cool shit so like i said i want to thank kevin for coming on i hope you guys enjoyed this episode and i will talk to you guys next time see you everybody